and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We're coming to you live from our radio and television studios here in northwest Pennsylvania as I take care of my grooming needs here. Of course, if you're watching on uh, YouTube, you can see that I'm a little disheveled, right? I want to welcome everyone to tonight's broadcast. Of course, we uh, broadcast live. Three platforms, Global Star Radio, Global Star Radio, uh, for as long as you're going to have us, thank you so much for carrying our program. And, of course, uh, Blog Talk Radio, BTR, and YouTube Live. We've got a lot of stuff to get into tonight. By the way, our two uh, two primary websites for the show, HagmanReport.com there. You can find the show schedule. You can find the, the week schedule. You can find the show write-ups, news information, analysis. And Hagman and Hagman is uh, is essentially for plugging into the show live in via archive uh, kind of gives you a nice interface there and of course HomelandSecurityUS.com coming out uh, to round out the that's my personal website basically that's kind of what we started with in, uh, back in uh, my goodness well over or almost a decade and a half ago so anyway, a lot of news. Uh, we, we we've got a great great uh, broadcast for you planned. Uh, a lot of news as well. It's interesting. Stephen Colbert. Uh, I'm not sure what he's more in trouble for. The uh, it, it just you know Colbert to me, and and some people might they might say, oh, this is just. It's entertainment. Who cares what Hollywood celebrities think? Well, you know, 62% of Americans reportedly, according to the latest poll, get their news off of social networking sites like Facebook. And, and many get their, their news on these pseudo news entertainment programs or infotainment programs like the Colbert Report, Bill Maher. I mean, it, it's, it's, there's this very, uh, I don't know what you would call it. There's this morphing between entertainment and information. And I'm amazed at how many people really hold people like Colbert in high regard. In my view, that man is the most crass, uh, the the, the most despicable human being. Uh, He made a joke, apparently, in his last show about President Donald Trump, Many people are calling that joke homophobic. I that gives me pause because yeah, if that that's happens. you know if that's well if if that's the if that's the only objection or the primary objection, then we have bigger problems than than I can imagine. Um, during his opening monologue, Colbert went off on President Donald Trump over his treatment of CBS News, John Dickerson. Um, when yeah, Trump made a comment yeah. on Face the Nation when being interviewed, yeah. and he said, uh, deface the nation. That was uh, 
the one comment he made that the Colbert seemed to take issue with. And with his comment, you know, the fact that they're saying it's it's homophobic is the least. Um, I mean, this is you know, David Letterman's old show that he's taken over for. He used to have a certain level of of class of of some ethics, but this definitely crossed the line. Um, you know, he said the Russian President Putin, the Donald, what was it, Donald Trump's mouth was a a holster for. Putin's yes, his you know. um, male anatomy. Yeah, pretty, um, tell you. I mean, comedians' jobs are to be, you know, to push the boundaries, to be shocking in their humor. But when you have a a late show, uh, I think you do take some responsibility to tone down the content so it's not like a an R-rated comedy special. Well. Regardless, you know, it, 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 just think back. What if, the, and I don't know, I don't believe we have any right-wing or, cons- I shouldn't say right-wing, I should say conservative infotainment people that hold a late-show position like um, Letterman did or, or Jay Leno perhaps is, was the closest uh, to, to that description. But imagine if... Somebody did that late night against Obama. Said that Ob- against Obama, yeah. there would be rioting in the streets. I'm sure things would be burning down by now. There would be looting, and 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 you know, it, it, it's just unbelievable. But that's just one thing that, in my view, anyway, the the reason it's worthy of mention is it depicts the status. The, the the social uh, ideology the, the the differences in ideology and and I think that that kind of speaks to the uh, speaks to the uh, crassness the lack of civility among people today also uh, well many other things the, the the budget oh my goodness what are we doing here who won yeah, there's a this few election? different yeah, but, but but see, this is a uniparty. Now, I, I've heard different arguments. I don't believe this is just at three levels or no. 50 levels. Look, it, it is what it is. I don't think that there's any significant, um, shall we say, outlay to this planning to this budget, which is just absurd. I, I think it. I think it is Paul Ryan at at the tip of the spear. The uniparty. The Republicans, non-conservatives, against the Freedom Caucus, of course. How else can you explain it when you have a majority Republicans in the House, majority Republicans in the Senate, yet you're giving concessions to Democrats well, to course. get something passed? That makes no sense. Then that makes the point that you were it's just talking the, about the Uniparty. 52 to 48. See, but that's the thing. It's a 52 to 48 margin, 52 Republicans, 48 Democrats. And, of course, the magic number here is 60. You need 60. Um. Yeah, so, in the Senate, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but to, to get anything passed, um. So that's the excuse being given. Well, we don't have that sixty majority, so we can't do it on a simple majority. We have to have the the, the super majority at sixty for the Senate. I understand that, and people, I think, understand that. But this is total subjugation. In my view, to the to the progressives out there, and I think I do think that Donald Trump 
knows what he's doing. I think that he's doing this um, to stave off a, a a shutdown of the government. But I do think that the day of reckoning will come in September because this is only good through through the end of September or through September when it when it we when they revisit this. I think it's going to be a different playing field by then. However, if he survives on September, the government Trump said the government could use a good shutdown. Right, and, and yeah, yeah. However, however, I'm not liking the budget. The fact that that there no no funding for the wall, full funding for Planned Parenthood. Who in the who in the world is behind this budget? Obviously, it, it's the Uniparty. It's the it's the defanged. Uh, milk toast Republicans. It's the lack of showing of the conservatives, although the Freedom Caucus has, has a pretty strong showing there. But it's the 48 Democrats. It's the Pelosi slash Ryan love fest that we're seeing taking place here. It is Donald Trump not, not get engaging in the art of the deal in my view. He's not on the phone. Remember Johnson, Lyndon Baines Johnson. Look, he was on the phone just doing all sorts of things to get legislation passed during his presidency. And he was putting the full force, especially when he was a senator. I mean, he was, look, I mean, Johnson ran that place and ran it like a mafia don, in my opinion, but ran it um, effectively. And this is what we don't have today. We don't have that, that, that we have none of this today. We've got the uniparty. We've got Donald Trump saying, well, I can't do it right now. We have to wait until September. And you got Paul Ryan uh, using Donald Trump as his whipping boy. And, and I believe that uh, Ryan, Priebus, and, and the entire Republican establishment need to be brushed out of there. You talk about a swamp. They are denizens of the swamp. They are uh, neck deep in sewage. And in my view, uh, Pelosi, Ryan, the whole bunch of them need to be tossed out. And there's something to be said for term limits and I think that we have to really engage in this and, and, and I also believe that, that, that Donald Trump has within his uh, immediate circle a lot of toxic individuals people that are pushing him into things that are not pushing him into they're causing him to uh, essentially acquiesce to, to this uniparty agenda portion of the nice broadcast brought to you by Sherry's Berries on a lighter note Sherry's Berries you know, Mother's Day is coming up. Sherry's Berries is the perfect gift. We love Sherry's Berries here at, at the Hagman household and the Hagman Hagman Report. We just got a beautiful box. In fact, I ordered it for my wife. And it just, the, the, the strawberries, chocolate cover. Oh, my goodness, you should see them. And they're covered in this this great chocolate and little, some had nuts on it. And I, I got the assorted, assorted box for my wife, and, and she just loved them. Sherry's Berries. Go to berries.com. That's berries.com. And of course, our coupon code is Hagman. Go to berries, B-E-R-R-I-E-S dot com and use our code Hagman. And there you'll, um, this is the only way, by the way, to get this amazing deal that starts, uh, starting at just 1999. Uh, you can't beat this deal. And, and are you going to get the compliments? Sherry's Berries. Berries.com, B-E-R-R-I-E-S.com, and use our coupon code Hagman. But, you know, and that's the sweet part of this uh, broadcast, by the way. But, but, but see, we are right now facing, and I think that, that, that this is kind of the, uh, to, to me, this is, is the 
politics as usual brigade. Um, I think a lot of people feel betrayed. I think a lot of people feel that they've been uh, they've been had by Donald Trump, but I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think it's I think it's more complex than that. However, it's not as complex as some people want to say. Well, Donald Trump is you know doing three D chess. No, 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 no. I, I think it's just pretty simple. However, the complexities exist in the future of that budget. So, and and we need to defund Planned Parenthood. Eighty-one thousand abortions reportedly at Planned Parenthoods across the United States since uh, since inauguration. That's eighty-one thousand murders, in my view. And and we're paying for that. Thank you, Paul Ryan. Thank you to the Democratic, Communist, eugenics-loving Congress Congress people, congressmen. It's incredible. And, of course, we've got, uh, and no wall, no funding for the wall. Deportations, you know, the dreamers. It's interesting. That whole immigration thing is very interesting as well. So a lot of this is, frankly, folks, business as usual. Anyway, so Liz Crokin, by the way, is going to be joining us at the second hour. I, I can't wait for that. Liz Crokin, the, uh, just a fantastic journalist from Town Hall, fantastic journalist in her own right. She's going to be joining us uh, for the second hour. And then at the bottom of this hour, folks, we, we have a very interesting guest plan for you. This person has got some information that I don't think is out there in the in the uh I don't think is out there at all. And it's got to do with not just healthcare. <laughs> well you just wait. Joe? Um a lot of interesting news both international and um national news. First, the U.S. Missile Defense Shield in South Korea, the THAAD uh, system, T-H-A-A-D, is getting some resistance from China as China demanded today an immediate halt to the controversial U.S. Missile Shield just hours after Washington had announced that the defense system was up and running operational in South Korea. Washington and Seoul agreed to the Terminal High Altitude Area Defense battery deployment in July in the wake of a string of North Korean missile tests, but its deployment has infuriated China, which fears it will weaken its own ballistic missile capabilities, and says it upsets the regional security balance. Um, with that, uh, with China's uh, anger, uh, the U.S. said that there it, it doesn't matter you know, what China feels. They think it's the best thing for North Korea or for South Korea in the face of North Korean potential missile launches. And Trump said that he was going to make South Korea pay for it. Um, he suggested that South Korea should pay for the $1 billion system. And South Korea um, said under the status of forces agreement that governs the U.S. military presence in the country that the South would provide the site and infrastructure while the U.S. would have to pay to deploy and operate it. And this is being called an important first step 
in stopping uh, North Korea's ability to launch missiles on uh, Seoul, South Korea, and other areas of South Korea. The only issue here is it says it doesn't cover the whole country, but I'm sure it covers the most uh, populated areas in the uh, the big cities like Seoul. Hillary Clinton is back in the news. I don't know how many people saw this. Uh, there's a few interesting stories out there about her, and I'm going to pull both of them up. Um, she was speaking at a uh, some kind of women's conference today at the Women for Women International event on Tuesday, and she is continuing to spin her loss to Donald Trump in the 2016 elections. Uh, the title of the article, Hillary Takes Responsibility for Losing to Trump, Immediately Blames Comey and WikiLeaks. Um, speaking at a Women for Women International event on Tuesday, Clinton claimed to take personal responsibility, responsibility for losing to Trump and then immediately proceeded to lay that responsibility at the feet of James Comey and WikiLeaks. I take absolute personal responsibility. I was the candidate, I was the person who was on the ballot, and I am very aware of the challenges, the problems, and the shortfalls that we had. Again, I will write this all out for you, Clinton said, referencing her forthcoming book about the campaign. But I will say this, I've been in a lot of campaigns, and I'm very proud of the campaign we ran, and I'm very proud of the staff and volunteers and the people who were out there day after day. It wasn't a perfect campaign, there is no such thing. But I was on the way to winning until the combination of James Comey's letter on October 28th and WikiLeaks raised doubts in the minds of people who were inclined to vote for me, but got scared off. And then she goes on to say, if the election had been on October 27th, I would be your president. But it wasn't. Then she talks about how she is going to become part of the, she's officially become part of the resistance. Um, and there's a number of different articles out there that outline um, a few different aspects of her speech and I have not seen the whole speech and I'm not going to go watch it either I often wonder why she is still even relevant why any media pays any attention to what she says or what why what she says is even in the news but one of the last things she says said was I am now part of the resistance um she joined CNN correspondent Christine Amanapour for an event where they discussed Syria, North Korea, and the failed presidential campaign. She says, I can't be anything other than who I am, uh, leading up to her statement about being part of the resistance and uh, revolution. And she says she's going back now to being a, a citizen activist. And, uh, you know, this whole thing just, it, it just reeks of, of attention seeking and desperation. Um, saying that, you know, if she, the election was held 10 days earlier on October 27th, that she would be the president. To say that the second time Comey opened the email investigation into her private server email use. And then saying, uh, you know, WikiLeaks were the reason that scared people who are already going to vote for her away. I mean, this woman can't has not told the truth in decades, and she's not going to start now. Apparently, um, she won't blame it. No. She won't blame herself. She won't blame. Uh, you know, you notice she blames James Comey 
for his investigation, his his crappy and and you know uh, if you even want to call it investigation of her private email server, which he lays out her crimes but voids her of any responsibility, and then she blames WikiLeaks. Notice she doesn't claim that the contents of the what WikiLeaks release were fake. She doesn't blame John Podesta or any of her other staff for the contents of their emails, which is, it wasn't WikiLeaks or the release of the emails. It was what was in the emails is why uh, she lost, or one of the reasons she lost. There was nothing in those emails about helping America, how to make America better, how to revitalize the economy, how to bring jobs back, how to fix the country. It was all about, you know, how to how to further their criminal enterprise. And then she also went to to uh, say that uh, misogyny played a role as well, uh, because you know, obviously, if a if a man was elected over a woman, sexism has to be involved. Anything but to take responsibility for her own, uh, you know, decades of lying to the American people, her decades of uh, robbing from the Clinton Foundation, taking hundreds of millions of dollars from foreign, even terrorist governments in some cases, had nothing to do with her lying about Benghazi. But we should give her some of her own advice. Uh, at this point, what difference does it make, Hillary? Uh, Just really? fade off into the night. Well, she's not going to, nor is Obama. And when we look at the Obama side, the Obama resistance, and we look at uh, Hillary Clinton talking about the resistance, I think we need to really understand what we're facing. And and it began, and this is important to understand, how this all evolved last year, the year declared, I believe it was by Time Magazine, the year of post-truth, uh, or that was the Oxford uh describing the year of 2016 post-truth um, as well as fake news and in November 24th of last year subsequent to the subsequent to the uh, uh, election uh, we had the Washington Post come out with prop or not uh, that's the propaganda or not sites and that's again compliments of the Washington Post who stood in the in the center to define fake news and we see fake news as a moving target of meaning whether it's used by Donald President Donald Trump or whether it's used on the left however it's important because it does fit in with uh the the uh COINTEL Pro COINTEL Pro 2 programs that are designed to cause doubt about the legitimacy of information that is provided by independent media. That would be us and others like us. And involved in this right now, and, and this is important because what Hillary Clinton said, she's part of the resistance, mm-hmm. right? Um, it doesn't matter. The, the, the loss part of it appeal, appeals only to her hardcore supporters. But now she's saying it's fair to question the legitimacy of a Trump presidency and conflating that with her loss. But going back to November 24th forward, we have to take a look at, and even before that, how this was all set up. Um, you, you had, uh, uh, you, you had Barack Obama, the community organizer, beginning the efforts in his first term. Now, people might say, well, look at Donald Trump. He's allegedly getting, uh, creating a, a, um, a situation where he's going to, he's preparing for a re-election. 
But that flies in the face. I mean, that that pales in comparison to what Hillary Clinton did or what uh, Obama did, and that's the organizing for America, spun it into organizing for action, and of course getting help from the uh, Obama-related Woods Fund. Don't forget that's a Chicago deal, the Joyce and Annenberg um, foundations. You've got the Woods Fund, fund the pro-third world immigrant and black activism related foundation that does the bidding for much much of the larger liberal establishment. Uh, various foundations such as the Rockefeller Open Society, that's George Soros of course, Ford, Carnegie, etc. All listed on the main liberal, we'll say the the listing of groups that are pushing for this resistance. And it's important to understand where this resistance is coming from because, for example, and and I I need to get this out because, I mean, this is so critical to understand. Obama is not away, gone away, nor has Hillary. In fact, they are involved in, in what we would classify as a resistance. United to Protect Democracy is a group that was just formed here recently. $1.5 million operating budget, five people on staff with a $1.5 million operating budget. It's, it's incorporated as a 501c3 and a 501c4 nonprofit plus political activism group. What do they do? Well, they focus on uh, perceived ethics against the executive branch. This is what Obama is tapping into. This is what Hillary Clinton is tapping into. When they when they say resistance, it is not just the rock throwing the Antifa stuff. This is resistance at extremely high levels. The history, uh, for example, United to Protect Democracy, Obama's farewell address. What did he say as he left that as he left the uh, office of the presidency? What did he say? He said basically. He wasn't going anywhere. He would be back. And we're seeing these groups forming. Uh, United to Protect Democracy, as I mentioned. The focusing on the ethics. What is involved in the ethics? Russia, right? The Russian connection, the resistance, the new definition. There's a new definition. The American Bridge, by the way, is super PAC, uh, also involved in this. Uh, priorities, USA Action, um, as well, indivisible. Groups of staffers under Obama getting together, creating that resistance, folks. It is the alt-media, the alt-left media, in tandem with the anarchists on the streets and in the halls on K Street and throughout Washington. We'll be right back. Stay right where you're at. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. In a thrilling series of novels, T.C. Joseph takes us into the lives of three families who struggle to maintain normal lives in a world where conspiracy theory and Bible prophecy collide. 
T.C. Joseph's viewpoint of alternative history and understanding of prophetic events will change your view of the world and the events on our horizon. Kirkus Review states, Readers of End Times Fiction will be hard-pressed to find it done more intriguingly than this. Extremely readable and fast-paced. Blue Week Reviews boldly states, Fans of Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series and Tom Parada's The Leftovers will find this thought-provoking series absolutely riveting. Order your copies of T.C. Joseph's This Generation series from Amazon.com. Book 1, Precipice. Book 2, Pentecost. And Book 3, Penance. In these uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel-burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniban Rocket Stove is a biomass-burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniban Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Ladies and gentlemen, this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Boy, have we got a treat coming up for you. I can't wait till you hear what our guest for this segment has got to say. John called me, I think it was last week or over the weekend, I don't know. We, we, it, it, all the days run together, you know how it goes. And said, John was on the phone and said, Doug, you, you, got, you got, man, I, I need you, you know, uh, you got to take a look at this. And what this is will be the subject of the of this segment. And I said, okay. And I looked at it and I, I said, man, I, I don't know. So I asked John, I said, John, can you, can you get a hold of Steve Quayle and can you like have Steve look at this? And uh, all of a sudden phones are blowing up and, you know, oh my goodness. So this is, uh, folks pay attention, pay attention because this is what's coming is going to be absolutely critical, uh, now. And from now on, because this is really for all the marbles, in my view. This is what it's all about. And now we have a guest coming, bringing, tr- bringing proof, evidence, documentation 
about something that's just going to really make your socks go up and down. I, I mean it. Before we get to the, our guest, um, you know, last Mother's Day, oh my goodness, uh, was the first time we used Sherry's Berries. I bought my wife Sherry's Berries. My daughter and, and myself bought, bought my wife uh, Sherry's Berries for Mother's Day. And she was ecstatic. She uh, The day before Mother's Day, they knock on the door, and she got this beautiful box package of the most succulent, delicious, and great-looking chocolate-covered strawberries. And right then, right then, we both, both my daughter and I looked at each other and said, man, wouldn't it be great to be able to to, to have them, to talk about that on your show? And wouldn't you know it, suddenly we've got now Sherry's Berries. We were able to talk about them. And, and Mother's Day is coming up, and Sherry's Berries is offering just absolutely huge, freshly dipped strawberries, starting at just nineteen ninety nine plus shipping, and they're worth every single penny, if not more. But right now, you can double the berries just for $10 more. You can pick your delivery date, and these berries are guaranteed to arrive fresh and delicious or your money back, and I don't think anyone has ever had to do uh, No one's ever had to do that. I don't think so. You may, you may think, and we've got some chocolate shops here in our hometown, uh, gourmet shops. Sherry's Berries puts them to shame. You may think you've seen gourmet uh, dipped uh, strawberries before, but you've never seen anything like these. Those people watching live, you can, or even by archive, you can see them on, on the screen, and they look exactly like that. They're huge. They're sweet. They're juicy. They're covered in decadent toppings like chocolate chips and chopped nuts. And oh, they're uh, anyway. Sherry's berries are an un- unexpected gift that will put a smile on any mom's face and you know what you don't even need for mother's day maybe a birthday coming up maybe an anniversary whatever it might be sherry's berries that's the key the only way to get this amazing berries deal starting at just 1999 is to visit berries.com click on the microphone in the top right corner and use our code hagman that's h-a-g-m-a-n and you see that microphone box just click on that and type in hagman that's the only way to get this deal that's berries, B-E-R-R-I-E-S dot com, code Hagman when you click on the mic. This amazing deal will not last long. And Mother's Day is right around the corner, so be sure to order right now. Do it, do it right now. Well, after the show, but do it. Again, berries.com, click on the microphone, type in Hagman. Now, folks, buckle up, buckle in. Joe, God, oh, man, this is, go ahead. Uh, coming up, we have guest Lauren P. She is a medical coding specialist, and we're going to uh, show a, a quick video and then bring her on to talk about what she has found um, in a manual that is used for a classification of diseases that she uses in her work as, uh, day-to-day as a medical uh, coding specialist. So here's that video. Hey, what's up everybody? I wanted to bring to the table some evidence for the case for chimeras. This book here is called ICD-10. It's the International Classification of Diseases. This classification system is written and copyright by the World Health Organization. It's used for payment for doctors and hospitals, and it's also used for statistics. This is the system that they use 
to track all the diseases, any kind of disorder, health condition known to man. So I do this for a living and this is how I know this information. So basically this is a coding system that is comprised of every health condition, like I said, known to man. It's organized into different chapters. This is chapter five, mental, behavioral, and neurodevelopmental disorders. It's comprised of codes, as you can see here, code F05 is for delirium. And this is pretty much how the book is set up. Every code has a price that the doctors and the hospitals get paid for. And also every code is used for tracking, like I said. So let's turn to chapter 17. And in chapter 17, you find code Q990 for chimera. So if a chimera is a mythological creature, which is what Google will tell you, then why is there a diagnostic code for it in the International Classification of Diseases written and copyrighted by the World Health Organization? And what's more curious about this is it's contained in Chapter 17, which is for congenital malformations, deformations, and chromosomal abnormalities. All right, and with us now is Lauren P. to come on to further talk about her findings in the ICD-10, the International Classification of Diseases Manual. Lauren, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you so much for taking the time to even listen to what I have to say. I'm very honored to be here. Well, absolutely, and it's uh, it's definitely uh, the findings that you laid out in that video is is very interesting. Um, you know, we're talking about the the classification of uh, of a chimera, which if you go and look at the definition of a chimera. Um, you have anything from a fire-breathing she-monster uh, <laughs> dragon in Greek mythology to... Otherwise known as my ex-mother-in-law. <laughs> or uh, an individual organ or part consisting of tissues of diverse genetic constitution, a hybrid created through fusion of a sperm and an egg from different species is a chimera. And, um, you know, you talk about this in the video, and that's a... Uh, how long have you been uh, uh, doing the medical coding? Can you hear me? I'm not sure if we did. Do we lose audio? We can't hear you. Okay, we'll have to to reconnect. I don't know. There's yeah. something with the uh, the audio there. Yeah. Well, and Lauren Lauren P is we're not using her full name, but we're using her image, of course. The reason we're not using her full name, I mean, it, it, look, this stuff. I'm, I'm sure people it's not if, relevant. They, if they want to find out who she is, but but she does this full time, and, and to me this is amazing information. Wow, can you imagine chimeras in the manual that all the doctors, hospitals, insurance companies use all across the planet? All right, and folks, if you go to um, the write up on HagmanReport.com. 
uh, for today's show, Technocracies Defying God. And you can go under there and there are, there's a picture of the ICD-10, uh, 10. It's the medical coding manual for, um, the medical association. And you can see the page where it lists, uh, and to the left hand side, uh, underneath where the main cover of the manual is, you can see the, the page where it lists the classifications of the chimera. And there would be no reason for this to be in the medical journals unless they expected people to come across, uh, chimeras in the real world. Now again, what is a chimera? It was always thought just to be a, um, you know, an imaginary monster, a mythological creature. But, but, but well, Lauren, are, are you back with us, by the way? I think so. Can oh. I, you know, can you hear me? Yeah, now we can. You're yeah. a little, little low on volume, but we can hear you. Okay, Eric's going to bring it up here, the tech. Uh, what did you think when you found this? Oh my God, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I, knowing what the Bible says and knowing what Steve Quayle says, I knew that these things were real, but I did not expect to see them in my classification system. I mean, that was just completely mind-blowing. And to me, knowing how serious of a publication the ICD-10 is, this is absolute proof that these things are real. These things are not mythological creatures. These things are walking around this earth. I mean, it's just absolute clinical and literary proof. Why would the World Health Organization put this into a classification of diseases. I mean, there's no reason. If you listen to what Google says, I mean, there's not going to be fire-breathing dragons coming to the hospital as far as I know of. So, I mean, it's just, it's mind-blowing, but it's absolute proof, hands down. And it's, it's written in the chapter for congenital malformation, deformation, and chromosomal abnormalities, which is exactly what the Bible says it should be. So that's even more rock-solid proof to me that it's just, it's hands down. It's absolutely crazy. Lauren, how long have you been doing uh, the medical coding? I've been doing this for about 10 years. I'm certified through AHIMA. That's the American Health Information Management Association, and I'm also certified by the American Medical Association. I have a CCS and a CCSH, so um, I definitely know what I'm talking about for this. I've worked with the biggest university hospitals in the tri-state area up here on, on the East Coast, so seeing this in this manual is absolutely groundbreaking and only people like me would know how huge a finding this really is what what's the publication date on that manual and does that manual do they come out annually semi-annually it will always be the icd-10 there have only been two actual versions the first one was icd-9 and the second one, which actually just came out two years ago, is ICD-10. But the actual editions of the book 
come out every year because they make additions or deletions to different codes. And that's basically at the whim of the insurance companies. But the hard evidence, the hard stuff, the, the basics of what makes up the codes is never changed. That's in there from the World Health Organization and the CDC. The CDC has their hands all over it. Right. How, did, how did you um, come across this page with the information on it? Were you uh, just reading through the manual? Were you looking for something else? Or, uh, did you have to pay a claim? <laughs> I, I actually just, I was working on a congenital case. Um, it was a premature newborn case. And I was flipping through that chapter um, just to get some additional guidance. And I came across that code, and I was like, oh, my God, I almost jumped out of my seat at work. I was like, holy crap. This, and I, I literally looked on Google five minutes later because I just wanted to check just to see what they were going to say. And after that, it was like, oh, my goodness, this is crazy. They just lie, lie, lie. Did you um, – have you uh, talked to anybody um, who you – work with or who work in your profession or find anything on Google uh, to give you any further explanation of why this was in there? As far as my profession, no. I live in the land of liberals. This is not the area you want to speak about chimeras or anything of this sort. So um, as, far, as far as Google... The only thing that I could see is maybe they meant an animal species crossed with another animal species. But even then, it, it would not make sense to be in the ICD-10 because that is not used by vets. That's not used for any kind of veterinarian service. That's only used for, you know, human service. So that explanation would not hold up. So there's... There is no explanation except for that these things are real. They're creatures, and Google's a liar. Is there anything different about this page uh, that talks about the chimeras, or in the um, in the the way that in the coding is done, than any other page, or is this just um, the information is the only thing that's different uh, talking about the chimeras? Not not really. It's set up the same way all the other codes are set up. The only thing that's different is there's no directions that go with the code. Normally you'll have directions on how to build the code or how to sequence the code on the bill, and there's absolutely no direction whatsoever for this code. So that's a little weird. Um, that's what makes me think that this code is probably specifically set up for tracking only. Um, but that's the second ICD-10. Um, they use it as a tracking system. So in my professional opinion, I think that code is put for tracking. Okay, and Norm, we had a little bit of a, during that last sentence, we didn't hear the last sentence, uh, you were you were cut off, but you were talking about the um, uh, the reasons why you think that that this this could be in here. Um, and, and let me just ask you another question while it's on my mind. You get the you you get the medical information, and you 
put it in turn, you put it into a, uh, numbers and make it a bill for, to hand to the insurance company so they can pay the hospital? Uh, or could you summarize what your, a better, could you give me a better summarization of your job? Yeah, so basically when, say you break your leg and you go to the hospital, after you are discharged from the hospital, I will go into your medical record. I will analyze any procedures you may have had done, any diagnostic information as far as your fracture or any other health conditions that you may have, and I will turn those diagnoses and those procedures into codes, and I will send a bill to the insurance company using those codes. And those codes are what you find in the ICD-10. That's pretty much what I do all day. So the insurance company would then take what you send them and input those codes, and they would get the all the information um, of what you put then in there. they'll know, right. Then they'll be able to tell from those codes that, okay, you had a fracture, you also have hypertension, you had, you know, a reduction performed on your fracture, they put a cast on you. They'll be able to tell all that information just by using those codes. And also, they will be able to generate a bill for you because each one of those codes has a price attached to it. And also, if you add different conditions and different codes together, you're just adding up the bill. That's another reason why this healthcare system is so crazy because you could come in for a fracture and have, you know, two other diagnoses and the other person can come in for the same fracture and your bill will be more because you have other diagnoses or a certain combination of diagnoses. So, yeah, it, it's pretty confusing, but that, that's pretty much how it's used. Now, you mentioned that this part of the manual did not come with instructions. Do you believe if there was a um, a time where – do you believe that there would they have special individual coders that they would use for this classification, or do you believe – and that's why there's not instructions in there – or do you believe that they just haven't – No, absolutely. It's the same – that would fall into the same category as military hospitals. So your military hospitals, if you work, if you want to be a medical coder for a military hospital, you have to have security clearance. So this would fall into one of those cases where you probably have to have security clearance in order to deal with this code. Interesting. Then uh, why do you think they they put it in the in the book for everybody? Um, or is that just standard practice? And then, um... you know, I think it's a couple of different things. I think it has to be in there for them to kind of laugh in our faces about it. Like one of those things that's kind of hidden in plain sight. We're going to tell you one thing, but here in our publications, we're going to tell you the truth. Like they think that we won't see it, but also there's, not that many people that can look at that and know what they're actually looking at and know the implications and the severity of what that actually means. I got to ask you, uh, Lauren, because the way you came to us, and thank you, by the way, for your courage and for being on the tip of the information spear on this, because to me, I don't think anyone, uh, to, to me, this is like an exclusive. I don't think anyone, to your knowledge, has anyone 
said, look, look what we found. No, absolutely not. As far as I know, the only people I showed were my mom, my dad, my sister, and my family. <laughs> they were the first people I showed. As soon as I seen it, I took a screenshot. I couldn't believe it. I had to show them. I was like, oh, my God, look at this. <laughs> and, and did you find this by accident? Or, or I, I just, I'm trying to be, because to me, that would be like almost reading a phone book, um, kind of, sort of, you know. I'm- yeah, like I said, I was I was looking for something else. I was looking for guidance on a case that I was working on. It was a premature um, newborn, and so I was, you know, flipping through the book in that chapter, and I that's when I came across that code. So it was absolutely by chance. I I wasn't looking for it, and and yeah, that's that's how I came across it. Yeah, you know, one thing, I, I, Lauren, I'm going to tell you this. Um, I'm going to be talking with Steve Quayle tomorrow about this, in addition to what uh, has already been said, but also Tom Horn, who's big into the research of transhumanism. We've got to get this out. I mean, this is no small thing, Joe. This is huge to me. It's definitely not. This is proof. This is proof. They Listen, the World Health Organization and the CDC, they do not do things by mistake. They put this code in there. They put it in black and white. So now it's time for us to put them on blaze. Yeah, exactly. And, and for, for as much as we might, uh, I, I might in my mind think of like the old Seinfeld episode, the, the, the pig man Kramer in the hospital, you know, to have a few chuckles. This is no laughing matter. Um, folks, and we, we spent uh, Sunday with Russ Dizdar, um, this is this is horrifying to me. Um, five different ways from Sunday, it really is. Absolutely. <laughs> and Lauren, we got about two and a half minutes left. Um, if we can, let's use this time to get into what you were telling me uh, before the interview about uh, vaccines and how insurance companies handle uh, payments and, and the newborns who are vaccinated and who are not vaccinated. Yeah, so um, I wanted to also bring up about the specifically the hepatitis B vaccine. So the hepatitis B vaccine is given to a newborn either the first day of life, second day of life, one of those probably, you know, no more than up to the first week of life. So when the mother and the child leave the, the hospital, I look into the record, and in order for me to be able to send that bill to the insurance company, I absolutely have to put their vaccination status. It's absolutely mandated. And um, they want to know if you got vaccinated, and more importantly, they want to know if you did not get vaccinated. And they want to know why. Did the mother refuse? Was it for religious reasons? or, you know, whatever reason why. But, you know, you could say, okay, so they want to know why, you know, who and who isn't getting vaccinated. But it's only specifically for this hepatitis B vaccine, which is what, in my in my professional opinion, I would take a hard look at the hepatitis vaccine and what people are saying about it because I think there's something special about it, and I don't think that something special is good. So you're saying you cannot submit the information unless you have uh, the 
completed vaccine information filled out, meaning yes or no, they got the vaccine, and if no, why they didn't get the vaccine. Otherwise, it's, it won't be, uh, it's not submittable? Absolutely. It's a mandate. They will not accept a bill for a newborn that does not have the vaccination status for hepatitis B. Yes, no, if no, why not? Very and they interesting. Don't for anything else. So <laughs> there's something up there. Well, Lauren, I want to I want to thank you so much for for joining us tonight and for sharing the the findings with us. And uh, I hope you know we can um, find out some more about this issue. Uh, you know exactly why they would put that in there, and what do they expect, uh, or what are they creating that you know would cause them to put that in there? And make sure your mom, dad, and family sees this, and certainly uh, spread this around uh, and educate people. And thank you for your courage. And oh, they're absolutely watching. Thank you. Okay. It's an honor to be here tonight. God bless. Let's keep in touch. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Good night. Good night. Good night. That was Lauren P. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be joined by Liz Corcoran from townhall.com. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back after these short messages. to hagmanreport.com click on the link to Greenovative but what Greenovative is, it's a small company in Florida, they created something called the GMAG power cell it produces electricity by adding salt water to this unit that recharges rechargeable batteries it's the coolest thing you'll ever see in your life it's really neat, really a, a super device All right, you need just two teaspoons of ordinary table salt, a little water but a bang, you're charging your rechargeable batteries Super GMAG chargeable is affordable, it's lightweight, weighs about 8 ounces, it's durable, it's EMP proof, and it's environmentally friendly, yeah, that it is. It'll provide safe and convenient power for recharging uh, 6 AA batteries off the grid. When other power sources aren't available, anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night, go to greenovative.com. That's greenovative.com. Folks, in these uncertain times, it just makes sense to have a sustainable backup method for accomplishing one of life's most important tasks, and that's preparing food. This is the way to go. There is nothing better than a Minuteman rocket stove from MinutemanStove.com. We all need a way to cook and a method to process water. I mean, think about it. Think about the many things that could happen to you. Minuteman rocket stove can provide your family or group the perfect solution. It's small, lightweight, wood-burning, and every bit as powerful as a kitchen stove. It's smoke fully self-contained for clean storage and transport. Because it's so efficient, it cuts down on your wood gathering and processing chores to a tenth what would be required if cooking the old-fashioned way over an open fire. So don't rely on gas or fuel stoves. Prepare your family. Prepare for yourself. Order a Minuteman rocket stove today. It's going to make bad times much better. Folks, MinutemanStove.com. MinutemanStove.com. Need I say more? You should have a Minuteman, the survival stove in an M.O.K. For investors, Timberland has become the symbol of safety. Global tropical timber demand continues to surge as the world's population increases. The need for managed, sustainable timber production forests has never been greater. When stock markets crash, 
Trees keep growing. Direct ownership of fully managed tropical timberland acreage is now available to accredited investors. Prime, valuable hardwood groves close to the beautiful Costa Rican border generate and maintain superior long-term wealth. Consider visiting our forest plantations. Qualified accredited investors should go to PreciousTimberProfits.com or dial 855-888-6288 for more information. Call 855-888-6288 or visit PreciousTimberProfits.com. This announcement does not constitute either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offering made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288, PreciousTimberProfits.com. Precious Timber profits.com Okay. You guys can't see you guys. 
see me? Uh, we can't see you, but the, now I, I think uh, we we had this situation with another guest. If if you, I think there's a camera switch, um, uh-huh. camera button. I'm not sure. Uh, oh, Eric, the tech. <laughs> it's coming here. Okay, Eric's is. It's probably was my fault. I am not good technology. That's all right. We're not either. That's why. That's why we have a we have Eric the tech here to guide us through things. Well, I'm I'm good. Um, tech giants like Twitter and Facebook and Google, but I'm I'm just not good at actually using technology. I, I, we get that. Well, for those people out <laughs> there uh, who have n- never heard of Liz Crokin, which I, you'd have to be like li- living on a desert island if you haven't heard of her. She is an award-winning author, a seasoned journalist, and an advocate for sex crime victims. Liz began her journey, her career, well, her path at the University of Iowa. She received a bachelor's in journalism and political science, and she took advantage of living in the first in the nation caucus state to work on the campaign of um, uh, John Kasich. Kasich and George W. Bush, their presidential campaigns. Her experience landed her an internship uh, working for Bill O'Reilly at Fox News Channel and then to D.C., where she interned for the State Department's White House correspondent uh, as a White House, uh, for the State Department's White House correspondent. I'll slow down, which uh, planted her in the White House daily. Uh, I'm, I'll, I'll save you the questions about. Okay, I'll save you the questions about Bill O'Reilly. Uh, I, I won't make a joke about that. The no, wait, I'm I'm more than happy to talk about Bill O'Reilly if you want to. Uh, well, you know it, that seems to be the flavor of the day. Eric, the tech, just said something to me. She, the video's yeah, the video's choppy. Um, if can you turn off your video, Liz, and uh, what you say? And we'll maybe we'll do the same on ours because even the the Skype audio is just a little yeah. The audio is a little bit choppy, but so just, just just audio. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. You can you can X out the camera. We'll keep the audio. So yeah, what, what's going on at Fox News? You have the the uh, Bill O'Reilly um, show being being canceled, him being removed from Fox News. Uh, Shine as a Bill Shine. Yeah. I'm sorry, guys. There you go. Oh yeah, Bill Shine. I know Bill Shine. Can you guys hear me better now? Oh, we can better. hear you like like you're next to us now. This is great. Oh, too bad because I just spent all this time getting my makeup done. <laughs> I'm well, just kidding. No, I did it. Uh, wow. Well, sorry about that. It's okay. I'll forgive you guys. Uh, no, it probably was on my end. My internet's been a little bit slow. But no, actually, I was at Fox in 2001. I think it was 2001. And I, I know Bill Shine. I met him. Um, he was there when I was there. Both him and Bill were there from... I, th- I think the very beginning, um, if not the from the Fox News Channel's launch, um, close enough to do it. Um, so yeah, Bill Shine, he you know he stepped down. I believe it was this week, within the past few days. And he, when he stepped down, at that point, he was one of the co-presidents of Fox News Channel. Um, I haven't seen Bill in years, but when I worked with him years ago, and I you know I did, I worked for them in 2001 for a very short period of time, but I did go visit, you know, Bill O'Reilly in the studio, and I would run into him and the likes of Bill Shine at events, like at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. I saw Bill at one of the White House, uh, Bill Shine at one of the White House Correspondents' Dinner. So anyways, you know, I, I've, I've known both of them, and, and the, 
Bill Shine's a really good guy. I'm really sad to see him go. He's really good at what he does, and he's a really good person. Uh, I do not like the direction that Fox News Channel is going in. Um, I don't think it's good. And in terms of Bill O'Reilly, I have some feelings about Bill O'Reilly. Uh, I interned Bill O'Reilly in, you know, years ago because I absolutely admired this man. He was the only one in cable news that was really breaking news. He was the only one that was explaining government corruption, corrupt judges, constantly exposing Clinton corruption. Uh, you know, it, it, when he first started that, he was constantly going after Larry King and, like, mocking him. He's like, Larry King brags that he doesn't even research his guests before he has them on the show. And he's like, it's not journalism. And he's right. And so I just love to show. I mean, I was this college, this party in college, but I, I never missed a show. Some nights I was so obsessed with the show. I would watch, um, they would rebroadcast it, which they, they still did through the years, but um, I would watch the repeats of the show, and I was like, wow, this is a real maverick journalist. He's doing real journalism. He's exposing corruption. He's doing what journalism is supposed to be all about. And that's why I wanted to work for him. And so I started contacting Fox News Channel and contacting his producers relentlessly, literally for over a year, begging them for an internship until they finally said yes. And then I got the opportunity to work for him. And when I was working with him, the, the first producer or woman that, you know, made these sexual harassment claims against Bill was there at the time that I was there. Okay. Now, when I was there, I didn't see anything inappropriate between him and this woman. All right. I did follow the story when it came and I researched it. And my take on the situation is I think there's some truth on both sides. I do think that Bill, you know, has really said some inappropriate things. Um, but at the same point in time, I also believe that he was in that situation. He was in stuff. This woman was leading him on. Like, I listened to the tapes and all that stuff. So, you know, I think there's some guilt going on on both sides. These, these other women that have come forward, again, I do think that there's probably like some truth in some of the things that they've said. Um, you know, when I was working for Bill, he said things to me that I would never, you know, cry sexual harassment. Like, they, they, you know, he'd be like, oh, you're looking really good. Da, 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 da. Compliments, right? But I could see how some women could take that, you know, the wrong way. And I, I could see that Bill could possibly say things that were, you know, off. Um, so I, I do see both sides of the story. But what bothers me about Bill, since it is not the sexual harassment situation, because from what I researched, I do think that, like I said, that there's, um, that he that he was targeted and that this was more about, you know, taking down a conservative in the media than it was about true sexual harassment. Because if you look at View that was, you know, all up in arms about this. Well, they had no problem with Bill Clinton raping women. They had no problem with Bill, Bill Clinton, you know, sticking a cigar up of Monica Lewinsky's, you know what, in the Oval Office. You know, it's very selective outreach from the left. So I do believe that Bill, Bill Riley was targeted, and I do believe that, you know, that he, he may or may not have said we're take out of context or blown out of proportion. Now, with that being said, 
my problem with Bill O'Reilly is that it's really bothered me that he is not the same journalist today that he was in the 90s. In the 90s, he was constantly exposing pedophiles. He was constantly exposing NAMBLA. He was constantly exposing pedophile judges, or he was constantly exposing judges that were very lenient on rapists, pedophiles, really horrible, horrible sexual predators. Fast forward to current day, Bill, he never covers those kinds of stories anymore. And to take it a step further, he mocked people that were exposing Pizzagate. And that is what has really bothered me about Bill O'Reilly, and it's really gotten under my skin. To his defense, I do believe that there are people at the top at Fox News Channel because the ownership of the company has changed through the years, and, and we're seeing the company go farther and farther. farther. I do believe that there are people at the top that has forbidden uh, their anchors and their reporters to cover the sex trafficking and you know a lot of these rampant pedophile stories. Liz, can, can I st- let me stop you there for a moment, mm-hmm. okay? And I apologize. Um, we have some really choppy audio. This, the information you're providing to us is so important. If you don't mind, uh-huh. we're gonna we're gonna have uh, our, the satellite network uh, contact you or you know reconnect with you if that's okay. Um, sure. Do you want to call me? Do you want to just do it over the phone? Yeah, that if, that, if that's okay, better? because th- this is so critical, because I did say pretty much what you're saying. I did write a piece um, that uh, is, is saying exactly what you're saying, and, and I think... I've got some sources. You've got, and, and well, you're an eyewitness, basically, but you've got some sources, mm-hmm. and I think we're, we're, we're on to... The, there's something... Very unsettling here, and I don't want to lose one minute uh, due to audio. So sure. we'll, we'll reconnect momentarily. We're gonna we're gonna forego the bottom of the hour network break, so we'll give you the entire time. Um, although this wasn't scripted, but but this is so important because this is an attack on conservatism, I believe, and, and the the change that you perceived we have as well. So okay, um, yes, we'll reconnect momentarily, folks. Liz Croken. Okay. Liz Crokin, uh, you can find her writings at townhall.com. Malice is her book. I, I, I recommend her writings. I, and she talked about her book last time yeah. she came on. I think it was March 27th, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and, and she got into why she wrote the book and why she, um, is an advocate for, for victims of, of child sexual abuse. And when, uh, when she comes back, we'll get into this with her again real quick. Maybe she can go over it again. But she was talking about the Bill O'Reilly situation and how, um, you know, she heard uh, and saw some of what was going on between the accuser and Bill O'Reilly, and she, in her words, Liz said that the accuser was leading Bill on, and that leads me to believe that maybe he was a little flirty with his language. And um, but, but, you, but you know what, Joe? Without respect or without regard to that, what we're seeing here, at least in my view, and and I know you and I have spoken about this, but maybe not to the to the depth that we need to. I see. A war taking place. I, I see this, this incredible, um, by the way, just gives a, give us a thumbs up when she's back. I, I see an incredible, uh, concerted effort to take down, an orchestrated effort to take down, uh, the conservative media. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and it's gotten to the point where, you know, the only conservative mainstream news source, Fox News, they're, they're getting rid of conservatism on the only conservative exactly. network left. If you saw what ESPN did, they hired, yes. they fired over two or three hundred journalists, uh, a year ago, 
and now they're firing a uh, hundred of their their sports their most well known sportscasters, specifically those with any type of conservative leaning political views. And, and remember, we had um, we had the Kurt Schilling, yeah, Kurt Schilling on, yeah. and isn't that kind of that, oh yeah, that I was mean, the start of it. Um, the the first blows. That's right. And then ESPN is owned by Disney, and yep. uh, you know the the circle of, of corporate ownership continues. And then we have, you know, what, what happened with Bill O'Reilly, Bill Shine, and then you saw allegations against Sean Hannity. You see Judge Napolitano being removed yeah, from I'm there, talk, you know, here and there we, for different reasons, we have even to, though he was right with his sources and his information. Uh, they didn't like the information, and it, 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 you know, spoke against the Obama administration and the liberal talking points. So there is definitely something going on at Fox News. Okay. And we do have, we have uh, Liz, Liz back. back. All right. Hi, Liz. Thanks for your patience. Yes, so, so yeah, um, there's a whole movement that is from the left that is attacking conservatives. And, you know, because of my work with sex crime victims, I'm very passionate about sex trafficking, and that's the angle I cover. Now, I was talking before how Bill O'Reilly used to cover pedophiles constantly. I mean, if you started watching his show in the very beginning, he was constantly talking about NAMBLA, constantly. And... You know, I've, I've been in the studio with him, and, I mean, the man's anger for this disgusting organization that promotes the rape of children, okay? He was constantly exposing them, and he's really strayed away from that. And, and not only that, you know, he went so far to say, you know, and, and I believe more than one episode, he basically trashed the Pizzagate movement, and he trashed people that were trying to expose Pizzagate. However, he didn't, you know, offer any explanation for what all the Pizzagate code words are. He didn't offer any explanation, you know, um, why John Podesta uses children as entertainment at hot tub parties. Like, you know, he just kind of does what most liberals do when they argue is just, you know, name call and, like, say it's not true with no proof. And that's not the Bill O'Reilly that I worked for. That is not the journalist that was my mentor that... You know, I I worked for that. I adored and admired. Like he's changed, and and maybe he hasn't changed. Maybe it's just that the the, the powers that be at the top are saying, you know what? Don't talk about this. Don't talk about that. Because if you notice, Megyn Kelly, you know, knocked the Pizzagate movement too. And again, she didn't offer any explanation for why all John Podesta and all Hillary Clinton's surrogates are obsessed with pizza and use all these weird cold words and have hot top parties with children. So that's going on at Fox. And what's really disturbing to me, and this is going on with with my professional career, is that, you know, you guys had me on because I broke a story talking about how the MSM is completely ignoring how Trump is going after pedophiles, how he's um, going after their sex trafficking, human trafficking. He's talked about it. He just talked about it over the weekend, actually, with Eric Bowling from Fox News. And he even said, he said, nobody talks about this. He says, nobody talks about this, but one of the reasons why we need to build the wall is to end human trafficking. No one will talk about it. Well, what I'm finding really disturbing is that, you know, I broke a story with Town Hall about how the mainstream media is you know, completely ignoring the sex trafficking bust under the Trump DOJ, and they're completely ignoring how Trump's talking about this and how this is a real issue and that he's, you know, going after these disgusting pedophiles. I'm finding now, ever since that story came out, that 
no one's publishing my stories on sex trafficking anymore. Any Bingo. stories I pitch that it is so bad, you guys, and I'm so angry right now. And I am talking about some media outlets that are more conservative that cover these kinds of things typically. Radio silence. I had, I'm not going to say with what, with what organization, but I had an editor in chief tell me that they will not cover anything on sex trafficking. Nothing. And I said, well, what, I mean, if the president is giving a, a press conference about sex trafficking, like, can I at least do a story, you know, just reiterating what he said? I mean, this is the president of the United States addressing an issue. Anything the president says or does is story. He said, no. He said, no. It's, it's, it's crazy wow. to me, and it's so frustrating to me, and I'm so mad because I have gotten a few stories out there about sex trafficking, but you guys have no idea how many stories I've written that have been denied, 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 stuff that is backed up by facts, statistics. I've quoted the president in my stories. You know, they're not conspiracy theories, and, you know, these my stories are very thorough. I've, my entire life, I've been in journalism for 15 plus years. I've worked from every publication from the Chicago Tribune to the National Enquirer, and I have written some really salacious stories, you know, involving politicians and billionaires having affairs and love children, and I've never once been sued, okay? I have right. a great reputation, and, and my, my work speaks for itself, and it's quality work. And ever since you know, I had that one story go viral about sex trafficking. I'm being blacklisted. And I'm no, being it, blacklisted by places that used to cover this stuff. And to so, me, that is frightening. That is how bad and big of a problem this is. And that is, is how this is supposed to show um, how real this is. And that yeah. the powers that be in the media, in government, in law enforcement are desperately trying to cover this up. And it's it's, it's horrifying. And we're behind you 100%. Now, are you referring to, you've got two articles that really caught my attention uh, that we spoke about the last time. The, the one, um, uh, townhall.com, uh, under your byline, why the MSM is ignoring Trump's yeah. sex. Sex right. Okay, that was February 25th, and then March 5th, Trump sex trafficking and how it ties to Russia. I mean, uh-huh. incredibly well written, well cited articles, and we talked about that on March 27th. And bam, all of a sudden, you're experiencing censorship like you've never experienced before. I understand. But mm-hmm. well, let that, me tell you something. That... Town Hall, Town Hall hasn't published one of my stories since. I know that one. Okay. Okay, and let me tell you something else. Um, my stories go viral, okay? From a business yeah. standpoint, if a, if a journalist has stories that go viral, the company makes more money. And typically, when I've written stories for, you know, any publication and it's gone viral, they ask me to do a follow-up so they can get more hits, which in turn, you know, makes them get more money from advertisers. That's how journalism works. Now, Look, if I was writing a story that no one was sharing, that no one was reading, that it, or that had, you know, like if my reporting was inaccurate, okay, then I could understand why they wouldn't want to run my stuff again. But my stuff is going viral, and it's making the companies, I work for a lot of money, so they should be wanting more of those kinds of stories. But they're not. And that begs the question, why? What's going on? What's going on? Well, if it, 
And exactly, and that, that question needs to be asked. And if it if it helps any, uh, we're going to be in Chicago Friday and Saturday giving a presentation. I'm citing your research from those two articles and uh, loud and clear to, to the audience because the, the information you've gotten in those articles is tremendous. If that makes you feel any better, but yeah, what what is going on though? Uh, what's going on? Wow. You know, and that and that's the problem. It's like I. I you know, I know you guys have had Craig Sawyer on, and you know, he he has said on multiple occasions that you know when he started his organization to go after pedophiles and to save these children, you know, from these from the sex trafficking circuit, you know, he's run into all of these problems trying to raise money, and his GoFundMe account was shut down, and like that is just proof that this is real and that there are real powerful forces trying to stop good people like myself and him and you guys from exposing this. Now, if this was all a conspiracy theory, if this wasn't real, or or if this was just low-level, you know, you know, people that were trafficking, you know, women and children, then it, ever, it, it wouldn't be an issue. But the fact that people like myself, Craig, you guys are getting shut down, you know, reputable people, I mean, he's a Navy SEAL, and that goes to show that wow, there's really powerful people involved because, A, how are they managing to, to silence us and to, you know, get people, you know, or companies not to, to cover this stuff? Um, it just goes to show what a powerful force this is. Um, but I want to talk about something that's going on in my personal life that is a microcosm of what we're seeing going on in America and sure. with the alt-left, Okay. And, uh, and, and, and it, you know, I don't need to get into my entire sob story. You guys know and you know, your listeners have listened to me before know that the reason why I'm so passionate about sex trafficking and taking down these pedophiles and rapists is because I, I'm a sex crime victim, okay? And so, you know, I, I have been touched by the horrors of um, sexual assault, and I do a lot of work with victims, and um, it, it's it's my passion to help, you know, victims of, of of any kind of sexual assault. But anyways, so in my personal life, I have, you know, and we don't need to get into details because I don't want to bore your audience, but in my ex from five years ago, um, he physically, emotionally, and sexually abused me, Okay. Horrible human being, scum of the earth, horrible, horrible human being. And because of one of the sexual assaults that he committed against me, he infected me with at least one, probably two or three STDs. And then he lied to me and my doctors, which enabled the STD, which was herpes too, to progress to meningitis and then encephalitis, and almost killed me. And it left me with permanent brain damage, tons of neurological problems, um, PTSD, anxiety. I mean, I, I could go on and on and on all day about all the problems I had. It was like having a stroke. I couldn't even read or write at first, okay, when I first got sick. I went from making six figures, living this amazing, posh Hollywood life. I was an editor, you know, at an entertainment magazine. I walked red carpets like Kim Kardashian. I traveled the world, you know, covering celebrities like Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie. I lived in this luxury apartment. I had a well, I mean, I could get a massage in my apartment. I lived the life. I went from that 
to going on welfare, going on disability, going on food stamps, um, not being able to work. My parents had to take care of me initially. It almost completely destroyed my life, okay? I have been fighting this serial sexual predator in the court, criminally and civilly, for five years now, all right? And to make a really long story short, um, he pretended like he was going to settle my case in good faith and even signed a contract to do that a couple months ago, and that completely fell through, all right? Now, this is what gets me about this whole situation. The guy that committed a sexual assault against me and pretty much destroyed my life and almost killed me is suing me for defamation, okay? Which doesn't surprise me because the guy's a scumbag, he's a total sociopath, and I mean, like, I would expect that from him. This is what drives me crazy and makes me sick. The lawyer that is representing him to sue me, a sex crime victim, she is a liberal that publicly claims to be for women's rights and to be a, an advocate for rape victims, okay? She has written columns saying that she does work for rape victims and she does pro bono work for rape victims. Meanwhile, she is taking money from a serial sexual predator and she is making money off of a sexual assault that almost killed me, okay? But she's pretending to be an advocate for rape victims. Cut and cut. Does it remind you of someone? Um, cough, cough, Hillary Clinton. Now, the reason why I want to bring this up is because what's happening in my life is a microcosm of what's going on in a broader sense on the left. We have people on the left that are enabling and promoting pedophilia and sexual assault. So, for example, the Daily Caller, I don't know if you guys saw this, they just broke a story the other day talking about how the BAM organization, which was behind the, the left liberal riots against Trump supporters, is tied to NAMBLA, the North American Man-Boy Love Association, a pedophile group, okay? So there's that instance. Then let's look at the refugee situation or illegal immigration. Let's look at the refugee situation, first of all, okay? So Trump has a, has a travel ban on, on refugees in certain countries, and he wants extreme vetting. Now, he doesn't just want extreme vetting to root out terrorists. He wants extreme vetting to prevent people coming to this country that believe mutilating little girls' vaginas is okay. He wants to prevent people who believe having sex and marrying a nine-year-old is okay. Now, Muslims who support and believe in Sharia law believe this. That is the law of the countries that they come from. It is legal to marry a child there. It is legal to rape a woman there. Furthermore, not only is it legal to rape a woman there, if a woman gets raped in Saudi Arabia, it's her fault, and she gets beat for it, okay? That's the kind of stuff that Trump is trying to prevent from coming into this country. Now, since under Obama's policies, we've had so many refugees come in that have been unvetted that come from cultures where rapes allowed and it's legal and the marriage of, of, a, of a six-year-old man and a nine-year-old is okay and acceptable. We've had multiple instances of these refugees 
raping children. There was a horrendous case in Idaho where a, a special needs toddler was gang raped by three Muslim refugees, all right? We have the Rockville rape. Um, actually, were those refugees? I, I get them all confused. They were either refugees or illegal immigrants. But that actually leads me to my next point. The illegal immigration situation is also enabling sexual predators to come in, pedophiles to come in, and, you know, another way to look at the legal immigration situation is, you know, these liberals are like, oh, you know, they just want to come here and make money, like, you know, illegal illegals should be allowed to stay, you know, people should be allowed to come here illegally. Well, if you're really for women and children, you should not want there to be illegal immigration because some of the biggest targets of sex trafficking are illegals. Illegal women and illegal children are huge targets for sex trafficking because they're undocumented. They don't have social security cards. They don't have driver's licenses. They don't exist. In the eyes of the government, they don't exist. And that makes them bigger targets because if they don't exist and someone says, oh, is this person missing or blah, 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 law enforcement is less likely to do something about it. Furthermore, people that come here illegally who are raped, you know, or their kids are raped, and I, I work with these people all the time, they're afraid to report the crimes because they're afraid they're going to get deported. So illegal immigration, bringing these unvetted refugees and all these leftist policies are literally promoting and enabling pedophiles and sexual predators. And that's, these things are never talked about. You know, they're never talked about. And, and I have people that come on my social media pages and they're like, you know, um, you know, pedophilia and sex trafficking, it's not like a Republican, Democrat issues. Well, there are pedophiles in both parties. Don't get me wrong. But the issues that the left is promoting, the platform that they're promoting, you know, bringing in these refugees unvetted, bringing in illegal immigrants, that is fostering an environment for rape and pedophilia. And the numbers out there are out there. The stats are out there. We, the, you know, we see stories like this over and over. And I mean, I was just in Chicago last week, and there was a woman who was raped and murdered by an illegal who had already been deported once. But Chicago is a sanctuary city. So the rapist was protected, not that woman. It's insanity. It's complete insanity. And what this lawyer you know, in my personal life, who is taking money from the serial sexual predator, she's pretending in her public persona to be for women and, you know, to be, you know, an advocate for rape victims, but she is enabling a sexual predator and she's making money off of him. I mean, it just drives oh, me man. crazy. It makes me sick. Yeah, we see the hypocrisy uh, everywhere in the oh. left and in the in, in some of the right too, um, you know, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. the, that's true. The, the censorship, uh, just from your in, investigative reports that have that are sourced properly and are, are backed up by verifiable but facts. You know, and Liz, let me kind of back up here a second because you, you said something. You're getting sued for defamation for essentially talking about this or, or, or educating the public about this, and you've never been right. sued in your journalistic career. Ever. I know. Well, well, that's why it, it, it's so ridiculous. I mean, this lawyer's so foolish. Look, I've been working with lawyers with the publications I've, I've worked for for several years, okay? 
some of the tabloids I've worked for had Bill Clinton's lawyers, all right? I have worked with lawyers on really salacious stories I've covered. I have, you know, um, issued contracts with prostitutes and, you know, sources that have revealed um, the most scandalous stuff about some of the most powerful people on the planet, okay? So if anyone understands libel laws, it's me. And I, I didn't go to law school, but I took constitutional law um, and political science was a major of mine in addition to journalism. So I understand slander and I understand libel laws. Um, the irony of this whole defamation lawsuit against me is that, first of all, most of it is based off of my novel. My novel is classified as fiction. So that's right. the first thing that's insane about the lawsuit. The, the second part of this defamation, this defamation lawsuit against me is one of the claims is that they claim that I'm lying when I say that my ex has herpes one and herpes two. Well, guess what, guys? I have my ex admitting to having herpes one and two, not only on audio tape, but in an email. Okay? Wow. So... The only way you can successfully sue someone for slandering someone is if you're lying and you, you can't, you know, and you can't prove that you're telling the truth. Well, I'm, t I'm telling the truth. And, you know, let's say that there was an inaccuracy in, in my book. Well, my book's fiction. I don't name right. my, my, in my book, but I will say, and his name's Mallory Hill. And if you live in California, watch out for him because I, I get phone calls and my lawyer gets phone calls that he's still going around spreading diseases and not revealing to his partners that he's infected with herpes. So watch out for Mallory Hill. But, um, you know, it's, it's absolutely go, ridiculous. And, 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 you know, it, it, it's, it's not going to go anywhere. It's gonna, I'm sure I'll get thrown out of court. It's a but, joke. But, but but, but Liz, isn't that a tactic, though? I mean, to, to look at this in a larger sense, and and uh, and I I know exactly what you're going through with, with with this lawsuit. Trust me when I tell you that. But isn't that a tactic against you to cause? I mean, to me, this is lawfare. Uh, perhaps to, uh, the the bigger picture here is to shut you up. And I look at this, and you've got to be. I mean, regardless of the merits of the suit. You got to defend it, right? Exactly. So, well, it, it, it is, and it, it is a tactic to shut shut me up. The lawyer that's representing Mallory Hill, her name is Rebecca Green, and she's with the George Brown Ross Law Firm. Okay, I believe that she and, and and you know this group of lawyers are used to bullying people. They're used to intimidating people, and I've been exposing her. And my, I've been exposing my ex ever, you know, for years now, but I've been exposing her recently on social media. And she sent my lawyer a letter, you know, threatening to, to sue me for telling the truth about who she is and what she's doing to me. And I believe that they're doing this because they're used to bullying people. They're used to um, scaring people into talking about what's going on, and they're used to intimidating people. And, you know, the average person doesn't understand libel laws. So I'm sure that they've used these bullying tactics in the past where they've, you know, you know threatened people, you know, to silence them because they don't know, oh, could they legally sue me or, you know, am I not allowed to say X, Y, and Z? But guess what? I'm, I'm not an idiot. 
I understand libel laws, and so their bullying tactics aren't going to work. So, you know, it is a tactic to to bully me and to start to try to destroy my my suit against him. Um, I believe that part of the reason why they're suing me is because they're trying. It's, it's complicated. It's hard to explain. But we had settled my case, and my ex had signed an agreement to pay me X amount of dollars, and I agreed to a very loose confidentiality agreement, but I never, I, I never signed it. And I mentioned on social media that I had a success in my case. Well, they used that to try to get my whole case thrown out of court and everything to be dropped. So I think that they pretended to settle, hoping that they could set me up to violate this BS confidentiality agreement that I hadn't even signed yet. I think it was just a ploy to try to set me up to get the sexual predator off the hook. And and you are you are absolutely correct, Liz, when you say this is a microcosm. Your your um uh personal situation is a microcosm of what's going on today. I mean I, I cannot agree more with you and this is so relevant and, and I gotta tell you my heart breaks for you. It really does. And if yeah. folks, if you don't, and, and ladies and gentlemen, please understand what she's saying here. You've got to understand the level of uh, uh, words. I can't even. I, I'm angry. I'm I'm angry for you. Thank you. You have no and idea. Liz, I mean, to, to go through what I've been through has been hell. It has been complete hell. I have contemplated suicide. Over and over and over again. My PTSD is horrendous. I can't get out of bed for days. And to know that this lawyer is pretending to help rape victims and is making money off of the sexual assault that almost killed me has triggered my PTSD. It has made it worse. It has made me more sick, more anxious. It is, it is so infuriating. And, you know, I encourage other people out there to, you know, find the strength is, you know, if you've been the victim of, of a sexual assault, you know, and you're experiencing anything similar to my situation, get loud. You know, I have been exposing the scumbag lawyer and my ex, you know, constantly on social media. And unfortunately, the, there aren't a lot of good detectives and cops out there that are willing to do the right thing. You know, you go out in public and get drunk and, you know, urinate in public and cops have no problem arresting you, but we have a serial sexual predator who's infecting dozens and dozens of people with STDs, not revealing that he's infected. There's many, many other. I I get phone calls all the time, but I can only vouch for what happened to me. Okay, and and this is just some of the things that this person has done, let me tell you. There's, there's been a lot of other things which event, which hopefully will come out when I finally get my day in court. Um, but, you know, I can't, I can't get cops to do anything. I couldn't get the lead detective in Orange County to do anything. It's a joke. It's an absolute joke. I almost died because of what this person did to me. I have permanent brain damage. I mean, it's been a nightmare. Brain lesions. And I, yeah. I can't get, brain lesions. you know, there's so, yeah, I have lesions all over my brain. Okay. Um, so it's been so frustrating, and it's like the only like 
the, you know, the, the only like last resort that I have had. I mean, thankfully I have a good lawyer and I know in the end that we will get justice and justice will be served. But as of now, like the only thing that's like exposing this person is social media and, and, and good people in the media that have covered like you guys. And there's been a lot of other people that have covered my, my story, but I haven't got all the people that are put in positions of power to, to help sex crime victims, like judges and police officers. Don't get me wrong. They're not all bad. But in my situation, they haven't helped me at all. The DAs have blown me off. The city attorney's blown me off. The police have blown me off. The lead sex crime detective in Orange County blew me off. He actually laughed at me, and he didn't even know the law when I tried to report my crime. It's been it's been horrible, you know. And now we have this lawyer Rebecca Green who is taking advantage of the justice system. I believe abusing the court system to further terrorize a sex crime victim. You know, I mean, it just infuriates me. And it's like, the, you know, this lawyer, it's not like she worked for the state and this, and she was um, appointed to cover a rapist and she had, you know, to defend a rapist and she had no choice. She chose to take on this person as a client, okay? She chose to profit off of sexual assault, off of my misery. It's, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. You know, and, and look, if she didn't go out there and claim that she was an advocate for sex crime victims and she wrote a whole little column about an exogene, then I'd be like, all right, just another scumbag lawyer. But the fact that she is so two-faced and claims to be an advocate for sex crime victims, and meanwhile, she's terrorizing me with this lawsuit after everything I've been through, I, it, it makes me so sick, you guys. I, I, can, I can work, I don't even have, I'm a writer, and I don't have the words to describe how angry and it makes me and yeah, I again like you guys yeah. said I want to bring it up because she is a microcosm of what is going on you know with the left we have Linda Starzar who organized the women's march she's pro Sharia law like Sharia law is the most abusive form of ideology against women and children okay we have these leftist writers at Berkeley tied to a pedophile group. What the heck? It's like, it's incredible. And it's like, you know, there are some people on the left, you know, they will come on my social media page and they're like, you know, the, like sex trafficking, pedophilia, this isn't like a left-right thing. And it's like, no, 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 no. It is because the left agenda is pushing pedophilia. It's enabling pedophiles. It's protecting them. Sanctuary cities protect rapists. Okay? So, you know, don't go out there and say that you're for the women and children, you know, dressed up as a vagina, if you're going to be rallying behind a woman that's pro-Sharia law. That is the most anti-woman ideology there is on the planet. It's insanity. And, and, and unfortunately, there's a lot of sheep on the left that are against pedophilia. They are against rapists and stuff, but... They don't understand. They can't put two and two together. They don't understand how these leftist policies are bringing rapists into the country. They're bringing an ideology that that mutilates little girls' vaginas in the most horrific way that the media won't even report. You know the actual procedures of genital mutilation. And it's horrific. We just had we just had the two cases in, in Detroit, and and it's amazing how. And you're right, and and folks, you know, we often say that this uh, pedophilia and uh, the sex crimes is 
both parties. But but Liz is saying, and I totally agree with with Liz on this. You've got this unholy alliance between the the left and and think about Obergefell. Uh, well, th- think about what the left agenda is and how it really morphs and relates to what what Liz is talking about. But we just had the the, the doctor two cases or multiple cases in Detroit. Um, um, you know, engage in that female genital mutilation. Yeah. How sick is this? And, and really, crickets from the left. Sorry. Or, no, or, nothing. You know, yeah. It's no, crazy. nothing from the left. You know, but but you know, um, you know, Trump said grab the pussy, end of the world. But you know, Bill Clinton can rape, and he can go to pedophile island with a convicted, you know, child rapist. Jeffrey Epstein, then they say nothing. Yep. It's insanity. Yep. It's total insanity. And this genital mutilation, I'm so glad that, that you know, Trump's DOJ is going after this because this is a really much bigger problem. I, I think we're going to be seeing a lot more arrests with this. And I actually, one of my girlfriends um, who I had dinner with the other night, she's from Detroit, okay? And she does a lot of work with sex crime victims. She does the same kind of work. I do, and she actually is working on a documentary that's exposing sex crimes around the world. And she traveled to Europe, and she went to India, she traveled to Germany, Sweden, to talk about, you know, the rape problem with the refugees and everything, and, and she studied this genital mutilation. She's like, you know, in, in a lot of these Muslim countries, they don't do the genital mutilation in a medical facility. They'll literally take, like, thorns from a bush and just butcher a little girl's vagina. Like, that's yep. how it is. She's like, it is the most barbaric thing. And she explained to me in detail, it is horrific, you know. It is, it's just insanity. And, and this, you know, these are the kinds of things that the left is bringing into this country. And it needs to stop. And people need to start, stop being so complacent about it. People need to get angry like I am. You know, I think anger is a good thing because if you can channel your anger into positive change, you know, in a legal way, then it's a good thing, but people need to start waking up to them. We need to get louder. We need to double down and we need to not let people silence us, you know? Um, because I, I love it. You, and this is not false flattery, but, but you, you're really, uh, you're ahead of the curve, cutting edge, tip of the spear kind of reporting on this. And if I can just kind of go back a little ways here, because I'm troubled, you, uh, by the fact that you, uh, are being essentially silenced, um, through your writings after you had exposed, uh, Donald Trump's sex trafficking bus, or at least the DOJ and, and the, the, well, the, the mechanisms that have caused these, all of these, these, uh, uh arrests and, and charges. And there's plenty of them. You list numerous. Um, I, you know, I just, I, I, Liz, help me out here. What can we do? What, what can we do to help you? And what can people, listeners do to help you? Because your message is so important. Well, yeah. if you guys know any outlets that are willing to publish you know, articles about sex trafficking, let me know because I, I can't find any that are willing to let me do to, to publish okay. work on sex trafficking right now. Like, and that's the, sadly, that's the truth. I'm thinking about, um, starting my own blog because it's like, I think no great. one will, will talk about this. So it's like, all right. Um, but it, you know, it's unfortunate because, you know, I, I made my, I make my money off of freelancing and, 
you know, and it's like I don't have to just write about sex trafficking. I write about a lot of things, you know, sure, but yeah. the sex trafficking is my passion, and it's so it's so important. It's such a huge problem. It's so important to talk, you know, to write about it and talk about it. And it's like, you know, I'm I'm really ticked off today because I just got news today that one, another one of my stories was denied, and and it. And, I, and I, I, I'm given no explanation why. It's, it's so, I'm so frustrated, and this has been happening over and over again. Um, you know, and I and I'm really, you know, trying to not get too upset about this. And but it's hard. But you know, as I'm sitting here, I'm really upset that I'm getting censored, and my you know my work isn't getting approved. I have then I think about these children. And I'm like, okay, because part of me is like, should I just give up? Because I, I can't get anyone to run my work. I still need to make money. Like, what am I supposed to do? But then part of me is like, well, if I give up, like, where does it leave these children? Where does exactly. it leave these poor children that are literally being trapped in cages? So it's like, it's like, you know what? Like, I, I, I have to, you know, I have to kind of just think, okay, you know, if I, if I keep losing jobs because I'm out of sex trafficking, that's okay because I'm not in a cage right now, um, you know, about to be raped by a psychopath. So, you know, it's like I'm try- trying to put things in perspective, but, you know, the fact that I'm getting censored and locked and raid and, like, I feel like I'm getting punished for doing this work that, sh- you know, I should be getting awards for. Anyone that's exposing sex trafficking should, you know, be applauded. Um, exactly. You know, I have to keep... I have to remind myself about these children. There's no one looking out for them. There's no one. And and the more that I'm censored is is more proof that there's no one looking out for them and, and, and that they really need our help. So, um, you know, what people can do is, is just follow me on social media, like spread the word. And uh, I, I guess I'm just going to have to start my own my own blog because uh, well. I, there are very few places that are willing to cover this. You know, and Liz, I'll say this. We do have a very loyal listening audience, and I would urge every listener out there, every viewer out there to really get behind Liz Crokin, uh, get behind her work. I know her work. It's impeccable. She is an incredible journalist, a great journalist, and her passion, you can hear her passion. And it's not just because, uh, I mean, it's not anger. It is focused righteous anger yeah. and, and you know Liz I'll tell you I, I love your passion I, and I really respect your work I really do um, I, I know we kind of started this conversation out with talking about what's happening with Fox News um, oh yeah you know you know, this this is a can you tell me your I, and I don't even know if you have an opinion on this or not, but uh, uh, you know, I've got a good friend Pat Campbell that that hosted a well hosted a, someone on on his program who referenced Sean Hannity as as you know making uh, suggestive uh, allegations of suggestive of, of sexual harassment, but then walked it back. And I, hell, I don't even know what what she's claiming. But is it is that valid? Is that legitimate? I mean, what? no, no. I, I can. Okay. No. I know Sean Hannity. He's the most amazing person in the world. Okay, like that was the most ridiculous claim ever. He, I, he you know, when I worked at Fox News Channel. Um, Sean's office was like a few doors down so I got to hang out with Sean a few occasions meet him like there was one day when I walked in his office and I was like hey Sean I just want to let you know my dad is like your biggest fan ever and 
he listens to you every day, or, you know, listens and watches you every day, blah, blah, blah. And Sean's like, what's his number? I'll call him right now. I'm like, really? Like, he's going to die. And he's like, yeah, no problem. You know, Sean's like the busiest guy in the world, and he took the time, like, to call my dad, which, like, made my dad so happy. It just, it makes me sick, these allegations against good people, you know? And, like, at the end of the day, it's like, I feel like the left that's attacking conservatives and, like, they're using, like, sexual harassment, you know, some of these claims, some of them, you know, could be legitimate, but then there's some that aren't legitimate, and the ones that aren't legitimate... They hurt hurt the the legitimate ones. Liz, I hate to ask you... Exactly. Do you have time commitments, or can can you spend another few minutes after the top of the hour? Yeah, network absolutely. With us? Absolutely. Oh man. Oh, you know what? My wife and I'll take you out to dinner next time we're in Orange County or wherever. Awesome. Um, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> folks, Liz Croken is our is our guest, and and what an incredibly brave young woman she is. Um, I, I have a lot of respect for her, and she, man, she's laying it all out for you. Understand the gravity, understand the enormity of what she's talking about. And you know what? It is, in the, at the end of the day, it is about the most vulnerable among us. We can't let things like this stand. Liz Crokin is our guest. She's agreed so graciously to, to spend some more time with us after the top of the hour. Folks, stay with us. Three minutes. Give us three minutes, and uh, we'll give you more of Liz Crokin. Stay right where you're at. thriller predicts the future. In three days in the belly of the beast, Daniel Holdings wrote about the God Particle before CERN actually discovered the God Particle. In As the Darkness Falls, Daniel wrote about an Islamist terrorist confederacy that rose up out of Syria and declared a caliphate three years before ISIS was ever heard of. In his newest novel, Between the Veil, Daniel talks about a space between dimensions where supernatural beings can walk. He says that these novels are a warning from the creator to his creation. Will war come to America? Will the world's economies collapse? Are we looking at increased earthquakes and volcanic activity? Will the United States fall into civil war? You can find all of Daniel's work at his website, DanielHoldings.com. That's DanielHoldings.com. All of these things and more are talked about in Daniel's books. To find out what's coming next, go to DanielHoldings.com. Worldwide demand is making coconuts one of the highest-yielding cash crops available today. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and many high-net-worth individuals have invested billions of dollars into coconuts for strong growth and solid long-term income. Yields could be as high as 18% or more per year. Capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years would be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. 
For more information, qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com or phone 855-888-6288. That's 855-888-6288. This announcement does not constitute an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offer made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288 or visit ProfitsInCoconuts.com. ProfitsInCoconuts.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report, we're so fortunate to have with us Liz Crokin, a, a woman I admire for her strength, a woman who is a, a, a tremendous journalist, in my opinion, in my view, one who breaks stories that other people have that don't have the guts to break. She addresses the issues without fear, and yet here she is, a victim herself. But not, not playing the victim. You've got to understand, folks, what we're facing here, in my view anyway, and, uh, and I'm, I'm so grateful that, that, that Liz has agreed to remain, uh, with us for a little bit longer. I think what we're facing here is, is much greater than anything we've seen before. And it's ratcheting up. And, and Liz is get, she's in the crossfire, getting caught in the crossfire and direct fire. As a number, as we all are, include especially the conservative outlets. Obviously, the conservative media. Liz, thanks for holding. Get all your, your, oh, absolutely, your, man. I'll tell you something. Uh, you know, I, um, I gotta, I gotta ask you a question, John. Our, our uh, program director is on with us as well. Um, you've talked to him, right? You, you know him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, all right, John. I, are you there, brother? Uh, yes, Doug, I am, and thank you so much for giving me just this quick opportunity to jump in momentarily. Liz, thank you for holding over, and I won't take but a moment of your time. Uh, I was I was actually buying a suit, Doug, getting ready for Chicago as I listened to Liz during Hour 2, and, you know, I just have a couple things I want to say to Liz and to all of the listeners and viewers here this evening. First of all, Liz, you have the backing of the Hagman and Hagman Report 110%. I know producers all the way across the landscape of Internet radio. Doug and I will put together a uh, strategic battle plan, and we will help you continue to get this word out. So you have our backing 100%. I wanted to say that to you, first of all, Liz. Oh, that's so sweet. I'm going to, like, cry. <laughs> it's like music. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a little emotional, too. And as I said a moment ago, I'm just going to be very brief here. The other thing I wanted to say is, 
Uh, something happened, Liz, while you were on the air during hour two. And again, folks, our guest this evening is Liz Crokin. You can find her at townhall.com. Liz, my phone has been blowing up from regular guests. I won't, I won't name names, but people that we do business with regularly telling me that they're praying for you, that they're in tears. Uh, you, you really hit a nerve tonight, sister. Wow. Thank you. I'm, I'm seriously like holding back tears. I actually like, like, oh my God, I've been like, crying all day because I'm losing jobs because of my work with like sex trafficking and it's um it's really frustrating you know it's like it's I feel like I'm we're living in this uh twilight zone where you know people that are, are trying to do good things and like help children you know are are, are are attacked and getting blacklisted and it's just it's just been a really um lonely lonely journey even though I know there's other people that have experienced you know, you know the same thing as I am, but it's it's. it's thank you so much. It, you have no idea like how much that means to me because I, I have faced so many obstacles these past five years well, it, in my personal life and professional life. So it means the world to me. Well, Liz, it means the world to us as well. And folks, I want to emphasize in the last moment I'm going to take on air here this evening with our very special guest, Liz Crokin. It takes a lot of guts to do what Liz is doing right now because so many women out in our listening audience and, and women who haven't even found the Hagman and Hagman Report platform yet are dealing with this and they're suffering silently. And the last thing I want to say is when I was growing up, <clears throat> this is hard for me to talk about, as a young man, I grew up with a single mom and she dealt with sexual harassment that often resulted in her leaving at 4.30 in the morning employed and coming home that night without a job, Okay. So as long as I produce this show, we will continue to defend the defenseless. We will, as I said, Doug Hagman and I, I'm going to see him uh, this week, and we're going to put together a, a battle strategy to help you, Liz. And lastly, I wanted to announce that I just received Doug and Joe through a back channel. This is a very reliable source. I will confirm it tomorrow. But there will be a consortium of people who have been on the front line of the global pedogate issue joining us. Uh, in Gurney, Illinois, uh, this weekend at the Awaken to the Shaken conference, folks. That's paulbegleyprophecy.com. Doug, I just received information again from an A-plus source that uh, Craig Sawyer will be joining us in uh, Chicago at the conference. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. Fantastic, John. I really appreciate that. I just have, to, as I'm listening to, to Liz and, and hearing you, I just have to question, when is the salty discharge coming from my eyes? Um, no, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a little bit uh, of a rough one, and I want to be clear about this. I'll make this my final comment, and I'll, I'll exit gracefully here, folks. Again, growing up as a little kid, my mom was the victim of real sexual harassment. She worked her butt off, and we had a lot of years where we had oatmeal and pancakes and stuff like that for dinner and that's just what life was like so when i see women victimized this way when i see little kids victimized it straight up pisses me off and if people don't like the language at this point too bad bottom line is this the hagman and hagman report will continue to defend the defenseless we will continue to stand in the gap shoulder to shoulder with journalists and and with brave uh, warriors like Liz Crokin and like our first hour guest Lauren who, who put her job and livelihood on the line to bring that story to you folks as long as I'm the producer of this show Doug and Joe, Liz Crokin we will not back down God bless all three of you and I'm going to say goodnight Thank you Thank so you. much 
you know, and and Liz, I'm going to tell you right now, you do have our backing, and and we will work night and day seriously to make sure that you are not silenced. Your um, just not only your personal situation, but your investigative findings are not for naught, and that, that's so important because you've done so much. I, I just today before you came on, I, I was reading rereading. Um, what you wrote for Town Hall back in, in February and early March. And I was looking for a follow-up. Now I understand why there there is none. And yeah, to exactly. Me that's shameful. That's shameful. You know, uh, okay. Yeah, um, it's frustrating. Yeah, I, it, yeah it's got to be. Now, um, where are we, do you think, Liz, in, in the greater scheme of things with respect to the Pedogate, Pizza Gate, whatever people are calling it or want to call it or whatever people know it by, where are we right now with, with the investigation, in your view? Are we making headway, we as independent journalists and, and the government? Well, the good news is that, you know, I track Pedogate News every single day and I track, you know, all the arrests and it seems like we they're they're still making high profile arrests and they're still making high profile arrests. Um, you know, since we the last time I spoke with you guys, there was a former NYPD uh, police chief who was arrested for you know the sex, sexual exploitation of children. That's huge, okay, and that sure. explains why people like me can't get police to prosecute sexual predators who assault people like me. When you have people at the top they're supposed to be going after these monsters who are monsters themselves well that's why we're not seeing any action so I was really happy when that arrest took place um, because you know we're getting closer to the head of the snake you know the, the former DC or I'm not I'm sorry not, if I say DC I'm say New York City police chief and I also thought it was interesting that it was a New York City police chief because we know that the New York PD has Anthony Weiner's computer, which allegedly has the content of horrifying, um, you know, examples and videos and evidence of sex trafficking. Um, So I think we're still making headway. I will say, though, that I've been discouraged that there hasn't been um, a more prominent and more high-profile arrest, you know, some politician, like, you know, like like another Dennis Haster. I I have been a little um, discouraged by that, but... I, I, I do believe, and I still have faith, and I'm praying that those arrests will take place. You know, and, and like I mentioned earlier, President Trump's on this. I, I, I truly believe that um, President Trump is, is going after these pedophiles. And again, like I said earlier, you know, he did an interview with Fox's Eric Bowling, and he said, because you know, the news story today is that he's starting to build the wall, and he said, building the wall. Nobody talks about this but it will help end human trafficking, okay? This is at the forefront of his mind. He's talked about it over and over again. You know, Melania's talked about it a little bit. She went, um, I believe it was Easter weekend, to um, a facility where there's women and abused children, um, and it was reported somewhere that she, you know, discussed the sex trafficking stuff. I don't know if that report was accurate, but regardless, you know, this president is on this, and so is his administration. So I, I think that we'll continue to see more arrests. I would love to see a more high-profile arrest, and I'd love to see one soon because I'm really sick of people, you know, discrediting Pizzagate, discrediting Pedogate, discrediting the movement. Um, 
when it's so obvious that this is a huge problem and that this is real and, and this, this is, you know, going on. So, I, you know, I think we're still moving in the right direction. It's justice is so slow. It's moving at a snail's pace, and that's just that's just the way the system is, right? I mean, look at me. I've been fighting, yeah. you know, the sexual predator that destroyed my life for five, almost five years now. Almost five years. Oh. So. It, it, it's, it, and I... When I say I know what you're going through, I, I really don't know what you're going through on the on the assault side, but I know what you're going through on the legal side, uh, because we are in the crosshairs. I personally am in the crosshairs. Steve Quayle is personally in the crosshairs of somebody who referenced uh, uh, our Pizzagate coverage, and I, I'm limited to, as to what I can say, uh-huh. but I can tell you this. Um, lawfare. I, I just I I can't even talk about it, but I can just say I I you've got I understand. You know what I mean? It, it's just it, it's yeah. absolutely incredible, and, and you know it's amazing because Wikipedia uh, comes out. Not that they're a source or anything like that, but if people research yeah. Pizzagate, it's a debunked conspiracy theory. You know how in the world can they say that? Look at the the mountain of evidence. Um. And evidence is what I would call it. And you as a journalist, uh, I'm sure right, you would agree that, that there's sufficient documentation behind these allegations right. to warrant investigation. There was, there was some journalist um, recently who, you know, tweeted, Pizzagate's been thoroughly debunked. And I tweeted that journalist and I said, if Pizzagate's been thoroughly debunked, can you please explain to me what a handkerchief with a pizza-related map means? And could you explain what pasta means and walnut sauce? No one can explain it. You know, of course, that journalist just, um, you know, responded and called me names, typical liberal comeback. Um, but no one can, you know, it's, it's allegedly been debunked, but I am still yet to hear one explanation of what all these crazy words mean. No one can explain it. It hasn't been debunked, you know? It's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. Amen. It, it really is, Liz. You've been you've been so kind and generous with your time. I, we don't want to keep you uh, longer than than we just we're just so grateful that that you are still fighting the fight. Um, you've got John's assurances, mine personally as well, and every member of the audience. Um, how can people contact you through social networking? Correct. Uh-huh. Yeah, you can um, find me on Twitter at L-I-Z-C-R-O-K-I-N, Liz Crokin. Um, and then I'm on Facebook. Um, you can email me, Liz, at LizCrokin.com. You know, I, I, I try to respond to every message I get. I get a lot of messages from sex crime victims. You know, uh, sex crime victims really need to support each other and stick together um, because it's really hard for someone that hasn't been the victim of a sex crime to understand what it's you know, what the sex crime victims go through. So I have a lot of really close friends that, you know, have been victimized, sexually assaulted or abused, sexually, you know, molested as kids. And we all kind of stick together. So, you know, anyone that's, you know, going through something similar, you know, feel free to reach out to me. I'm here to support you. Um, and, yeah, you can find me on Twitter, at Facebook, too. I'm on Facebook. Okay. And I'm thinking about Liz Crokin on Facebook, but I'm constantly posting about sex trafficking, pedo gate, you know, um, you know, all these issues. And 
um, I appreciate, you know, people's support and, you know, um, hopefully next time we talk, I'll, you know, have a new venue where I can write about sex trafficking without, you know, the fear of being blacklisted. So, <laughs> it's going around lately. I'll tell you that. Um, that's the third rail of journalism, apparently, or at least the mainstream journalism is talking about this. But you're, you've got more courage than anyone I know. Oh, that's really sweet. Yeah, it's really scary. But at the end of the day, you know, if enough people speak out against this, then they're not going to be able to silence us all. You know, they're not. Amen. So we just have to keep fighting Amen. the good fight. Liz, we, so we, we absolutely you love you. So much. We, I love wow. you guys too. And like seriously, I mean, you guys are one of the few people in the media that are actually like covering this. And I'm just so grateful to be on the show and that you guys are shedding light on on, on these horrors um, because so few people are. So God bless you guys, and you know, you guys keep up the good fight as well. And I appreciate you guys giving me this platform to talk about these really important issues. Well, we appreciate you immensely. Liz Crokin, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And right, we'll guys. be in touch. You're welcome. All right. God, God okay. bless. Have a great thank night. Thank you so much. All, All right, right, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Folks, uh, that was Liz Crokin. And, and uh, look, I want to tell you something. I want to speak to you from the heart here for a second. Um, and, Joe, uh, you're somewhat aware of this. Look, you know, we're going to be in Gurney, Illinois. And uh, this Friday and Saturday, which is just north of Chicago. And I've been compiling all of my research. Over 1,200 pages. 1,200. From you just don't I'm tongue-tied. 1,200 pages. It's grown. And um, I've looked at the various... I've looked at pretty much everything public, everything open source I've, I've seen. I've talked to the same sources I believe are feeding Eric Prince, have fed Eric Prince information. I've talked to some NYPD sources. Um, I've talked to some law enforcement sources other than NYPD. Some people connected with the Department of Justice with respect to the Anthony Weiner situation. There are a lot of angry people out there. And, and uh, not unrelated, Joe and I spent a Sunday with Russ Dizdar. And there's a satanic element built into this, of course, the spirit cooking aspect of this. You know what Liz Crokin uh, went through? And if you don't know her whole story, it's battery. It's assault and battery. She's the victim of assault and battery. A horrendous assault. It's really pretty clear-cut. And all I know, you could say, well, he said, she said. No, not when you look. Peel back the layers and see what what the evidence is, what the documentation is. And and here's the thing. We have conservatives. And a lot of, in fact, my wife asked me, 
And then I'm going to turn this over to Joe. My, my wife asked me, she said, why are you so angry? Because I don't show her any of this documentation. She might come into the office and work in the office, but she doesn't see what I see, what we see. What makes me angry, very consistent parallel with Liz Crokin, is the very people who are supposed to be standing for right, for good, against evil, are silent. And by your silence, it is your silence, in my view, it is tantamount to acquiescence and giving the other side permission, giving the evil permission to invade and that angers me. And then I see these people who take cheap shots. Absolutely cheap shots. Calling themselves Christians. Calling themselves journalists. Calling themselves conservatives. And you take cheap shots. At the very people who are trying to do what's right and expose expose what's taking place and then you've got a bunch of then you've got people who are who just make fallacious fictitious reckless in my opinion accusations against others that serve only to distill the legitimate complaints or to negate the legitimate complaints of sexual harassment of sexual assault it's a fight in every in look I know many of our listeners and I know the many women who listen to this program are victims of sexual assault are victims of of some of the most horrendous things that you can imagine. Psychological abuse, physical abuse. I've gotten emails, I've gotten letters from them. You know, and it amazes me. And this is why I get angry. And this is why, we, folks, we have to fight back. We have to, we have to unite and we, as Christians and as political or moral conservatives, however you want to term that, we have to unite. And we just can't say, you know, I'll be rooting for you. I'll be praying for you. Oh, that's appreciated. But we just can't stop there. In my view, we have to, we have to say enough is enough. And I admire people like Coach Dave Dobbenmeyer. And if you haven't tuned into Coach Dave Dobmeyer's program, Pass Assault, uh, Coach Dave Live. I mean, he's out there in the field. Because, folks, the, the murder of the unborn, 81 million, or 81, I don't, just a whole bunch. Blood is being shed. The murder of the unborn, the perversion of our values, we need to fight back. 
Coach Dave is on the front lines. Russ Dizdar is on the front lines on the on the uh, spiritual side. Pastor David Langford on the front side, on the front, uh, leading the charge too, and in, in on the spiritual side, and and others awakening people. You've got writer people like. Um, guests that, that we've had on uh, uh, and of course Ted Brewer educating people informing people these are not people who sit by the wayside sit in, in, on the bench these are players they're they're in the game they're playing and and I, and I, if you do, folks if nothing else I mean th- this by the way the interview with Liz Crokin that wasn't scripted. None of that. I had no idea going into this interview where we were headed. N- neither did Joe. No, no clue. And I got to tell you something. I'm worn out. I don't know about you, but I'm worn out. Because, in effect, if she didn't touch touch your heart, and I've seen the stuff that was that's been printed about her, the garbage that's been printed. But but see, I've seen it, and I've seen the accusations, and I've seen the names. You know the the names that she's been called. But didn't we tell you before last week that these accusations, by the way? the unfounded accusations and I'm saying the unfounded accusations were part of a larger tactic to shut down the conservative voices the real investigators the real journalists like Liz Crokin didn't we say that that's exactly what's happening and she just put the exclamation point at the end of the sentence folks we are in a war what do we expect? We're in a war. That's what Coach Dave Dodmeyer would say. We're in a war. What do you expect? And we are. Well, I know we're getting close to the break, but I just want to thank each and every one of you. Whatever you do, I ask that you support Liz Crokin in her quest to really to be uh, help her continue her exposing exposure of this insane sick perverted criminal activity pray for her support her go on the social go on social networking and back her and make her elevate her visibility and tell her that you support her that you heard her in passion plea on our show or I don't care, but just let's get the word out there. But let's unify. Let's fight. It'd be too easy just to say, screw it, I'm done. I'm not going to do that. And I know you're not either. We can band together. We can make a difference. We can make a difference. We can. Joe, I'm telling you. Absolutely. Go ahead. Absolutely we can. We're coming up against our our final break of the evening, and when we come back, we're going to hit on a number of uh, interesting news stories. Uh, something Ted Brewer has been talking about on our show the last few times he's come on has been picked up 
and by the Wall Street Journal and a number of other sites, uh, Jared Kushner did not disclose business dealings with George Soros. It goes to talk about that billion-dollar loan. We're going to get into that and more on the other side, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. There shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Uh, masterpreps.com, uh, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you possibly want from uh, cooking uh, utensils, uh, cooking frying pans. To, I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Eric's. It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family. Masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? Hi, I'm Grace Gonzalez from Trang Post in the Woods. We are an American family-owned company founded and built on skills and knowledge gained from responding to 18 major disasters in the U.S. and around the world. We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We're offering 25% off our must-have American Heritage Armies kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HAGMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either, but they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues, and so can you. Check out our American Heritage Journeys kit at www.changelessandwoods.com. Your life may depend on it. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. You can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. segment on this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Before we get back to our uh, our show, I want to bring you a, a word from one of our sponsors, MinuteManStove.com. They offer 
the Minuteman rocket stove, and a number of other uh, very important uh, items that will make times and, and, and will make dangerous and uncertain times much more sustainable when you have a backup method for accomplishing one of life's most important daily tasks, preparing food. You always need a way to cook and a way to boil water. Well, check out the Minuteman rocket stove and uh, all the accessories and things that go with it. This is a one-eighth-inch steel-reinforced ammo can that has been uh, created for you to use the uh, the smallest amount of wood and with a with a burner on it to basically cook food, boil water, have a portable stove wherever you go. Uh, and there's fire starters. Go to MinutemanStove.com. You can check out their their fire starters as well as uh, some of their other equipment that they have on there. And this is a great product. We've tested it out. We've used it. It's very durable, and it works very well. That's MinutemanStove.com, MinutemanStove.com. You know, it, one of my favorite sponsors, too. Uh, the, the stove itself is just fantastic. And, man, I'm not I'm not a camper kind of guy, okay? Um, Motel 6 is about as rough as I want to go. Or Super 8, you know. But the stove itself makes life a lot easier. Um, and I actually uh, used the Miniman stove to, to uh, I, I had some, it's a long story, but I ended up cooking coffee on it. So, anyway. Um, folks, boy, I'll tell you, talk about being, uh, what are you looking at over there? <laughs> No, it's the oh the yeah no or whatever. It, yeah it, it it you know how these these things pop up on your screen that, that's my story I'm sticking to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Look, we gotta um yeah I want to bring up this story. I wanted to bring this up with Liz. Uh, this is from a few days ago, and it really did not get much attention in the mainstream media. Um, Milo Yiannopoulos he picked this up uh, from April twenty seventh. Social justice warrior columnist. Why do we punish people who give others AIDS? Wow. In a column for the Sacramento Bee, writer Erica Smith declares that threatening to punish people for transmitting HIV does absolutely nothing for public health. The piece titled, The AIDS Crisis is Over, Why Are People Still Going to Jail Over HIV? states that in California... More In more than 30 other states, dozens of laws remain on the books to punish people who willfully expose others to HIV. It continues to this day. People still get charged with felonies over HIV and go to prison for 5, 10, or even 20 years. In some states, those convicted must register as a sex offender for life. Smith goes on to state that these laws are not compassionate, caring, or tolerant towards people with HIV or AIDS. Instead, she argues, they are fear-based holdovers from the days of the gay plague. Smith goes on to praise Senate Bill S-239 that would greatly reduce the penalties for transmitting HIV. This Senate Bill 239 would repeal two felony offenses for people who deliberately pass along HIV and reduce two others to a misdemeanor, just like the intentional transmission of every other infectious or communicable disease, she writes, further arguing that the reasoning for the bill is pretty plain. One that is threatening to punish people for transmitting HIV does absolutely nothing for public health. It only encourages people to hide their status or not get tested at all. You can't be charged with infecting someone with something you didn't know you had. 
It's time to be compassionate, caring, wow. or tolerant, Smith concludes. It's time to end the cycle. <laughs> and as you might expect, many people online have not received Smith's column very well. Uh, Paul Joseph Watson took to Twitter, <laughs> putting this tweet out. HIV is now progressive. Only bigots get upset if their partner gives it gives it to them on purpose. Uh, you know, uh, I have a this problem mind, with this, this. This mindset is just so... Haven't we gone down a, a really, Joe, let me ask you this. And by the way, folks, we, we can't have open lines tonight, or it wouldn't be prudent, uh, because we're having some technical issues and we apologize for that. Uh, so, sorry about that. But, but, haven't we gone down this road? I believe. Not like this. Well, okay, the, the door opened. If you follow the, uh, the path and, and many, many of the conservatives, the true conservatives and Christians said, you know, you legalize or erroneously state the legalization, for example, of homosexual marriage, which is, there's so many things wrong with that phrase. I, but you get the idea. Pretty soon people are going to want to marry their iPhones and, and then, <laughs> or a pig. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, you already have a, uh, we, we talked about Rachel Dossal, the transracial right. person. She was yep. born a, a blonde-haired, blue-eyed woman, and now identifies as black after she got a tan and and put some curls in her hair. And yeah, uh, yeah. you have you know uh, a father who I think it was 46 years old is now identifying as a six-year-old. You know, basically in diapers. Um, you have uh, it's just crazy but, but, that you know we we went over the social this. justice. A piece the other day that talked about you know how safe spaces are basically going back to what happened during segregation and how the social justice warrior movement has done nothing but uh, push real civil rights issues back right. you know a hundred years fifty to a hundred years right and that's right on the money it's a uh, idiocracy it is a complete abandonment of all common sense that we see uh, with this mindset and you know I've seen a lot of um, of s- slogans or phrases that have been picked up. Um, and shared, you know, uh, oh goodness, um, one of them being that, you know, these, the, the progressives, the social justice warriors only react to feelings. And that's why we see, you know, this, um, uh, lack of common sense, this airheadedness. It's almost, it is a mental illness. It, it has to be described as a mental illness because you, this is a group, uh, the progressives, the left, the social justice warriors who promote, um, you know what their name is social justice they believe that the 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 minority uh whether it's transgender minority uh racial minority have special rights and privileges above the rest of the the citizens they believe that they're in some kind of protected class that uh deserves to be elevated above the rest of of the people in the United States and that's something that is dangerous in itself to believe, but when it's reinforced by the authority of the government and the media in this country, it's basically giving people a license to be retarded. And I don't mean retarded as in mental illness. I mean as a lack of common sense, uh, uh, willingly well, abandoned social retardation. Yeah, and and intellectual and it, all across the board retardation. I agree with that. I agree. Nothing against those who are uh, mentally challenged. Well, by uh, no, it, it's a different use of the word. Absolutely, it's. I mean. It's just amazing to me to see, and even uh, me and my wife were talking about, about the since Trump's election, really since um, October of, of last year, how fast we've seen this agenda progress, and Very some much. of the how insane it has gotten. 
um, you know, to, from Bill Nye's a new show on Netflix. And these are just small examples of a much uh, broader problem uh, in this country and, and, and parts in the more well, in the Western well, world than anywhere at, else. You know, look at, uh, in in my personal opinion, uh, uh, Samantha B. for example, I don't know how many people know who she is, but, but she's the most crass, foul-mouthed, unfunny, um, yeah, she's not I don't even know what you'd call her, but except the, the, the just the wow. She's got a, a TV show on um, Full TBS. Frontal. Yeah, that's the name. It was, of the show. She she hosted this, uh, not the uh, what was it? Not the uh, uh, awards dinner, or not the um, what was the, the the press club? Not the press club dinner. She she hosted the correspondence dinner. Right. She she hosted a show called not the not the White House correspondence dinner. People might think I just had a stroke there, but no, that was the name of the, the, the episode. And uh, the the venom from her and others, uh, it, it's becoming much more palatable, or I mean, much more uh, evident. And we're seeing this. And, and you know, the other thing too that run that runs hand in hand with uh, with the left progressive communist venom. And I refer to this again, the unholy alliance between the communists and the Muslims in this country, which makes absolutely no sense. No, it doesn't, but it's it's there. It's I mean. there. And, and folks, um, one of our stomping grounds, shall we say, or one of the areas that we, we, we've done a lot of investigation in is upstate New York, western New York, including Buffalo, Rochester, and of course, every throughout New York State. But uh, just recently, as a matter of fact, this was just reported by the local uh, station WIVB, and I don't know how many people have followed this or know about this, but there were, of course, after 130 people were killed back in November of 2015 in the coordinated attacks in Paris, ISIS promised a very similar bloodshed on big cities in the United States. For example, Boston, uh, Chicago, New York. Well, during the FBI investigation, and, and this is one that was not sullied by or peppered by, um, this, this was a legitimate investigation as far as I can tell. They, they, they found a guy out of Rochester, Emmanuel Lutchman, a convicted terrorist sympathizer. Lutchman, of course, um, wanted to, his target, he wanted a replay of the Paris, at least one part of the Paris attacks, uh, Paris, the terrorist attacks. And he set his sights on uh, the Merchant's Grill, a, a place that, uh, you know, we frequented. So when you think, for example, that eh, terrorism, it's not going to happen to us, it's not going to happen here. What happened in Paris is going to, it's only in Europe. Folks, let me tell you something. It's the the level of of Islamic infiltration in this country is much deeper than than people understand, and the coordination between uh, ISIS sympathizers or Muslim terrorists and MS13, as crazy as it sounds, exists. You've got a lot, a lot of operatives, MS13, ISIS. Operatives on Long Island, some say upwards of 250, 300. 
uh, according to FBI, that they're, we're talking about active FBI surveillances. Yeah, I've read a lot about how MSM on Long Island, um, yep. in parts of New Jersey and Maryland, have just this huge influx of of MS13. Yep, um, and MS13 affiliated people. There have been a just uh, this spring. I remember two instances where MS13 gang members targeted other teenagers who lived in the geographical area and murdered them yep. for uh, perceived slights against them. It wasn't even for anything, you know, they didn't steal a soda pop from them or call them a derogatory name. I think it, the one was just a funny look. Uh, I, I mean, they, they will kill you, and this is not an overstatement. They will kill you just, just because. It's part of a gang initiation, too. Well, I mean. Yeah. Well, for, well, from that to uh, crossing their path, for example, it doesn't matter. And, and a lot. And I have to. I have to say that we're seeing on the statistics side in cities like Chicago, for example, uh, Baltimore coming up very heavy in in the homicide rates. Oh yeah. Did you see that they uh, their homicide rates are higher than they've been in thirty yep. years, yep. I believe, or ever. And the same um, leadership that told the, the federal government and the FBI to uh, they didn't need any help, they didn't want their help, are now asking for the feds to come back in and help get their murder rate under control because yeah. it is, I think it's, um, well, it just reached a milestone this goes, this already for this year. Goes to the, the, the refugees and immigrants in, in that area, you, you cannot, no, go ahead, it, Baltimore. Well, I, I don't know that Baltimore, that the problem is, I mean, it, from what I understand, the problem there is uncontrolled gang populations and, you know, their access to guns. MS-13 and, as well. Absolutely. And I, this is kind of unrelated, but I wanted to I will touch on this since it just came to my mind. Maybe somebody else has heard something about this. Um, in Chicago and in Baltimore, there were stories in separate months about um, locals there finding crates, unopened wooden crates full of automatic weapons, like somebody just left them there. I was looking for those. <laughs> no, but it's, it was just a weird story. I don't know why it came to mind right now. Um, well, probably because we're talking about the, the crime and the the murder rate in these cities, the shootings in Chicago. This is something that's been covered in the mainstream for a number of years now. Um, you know, you have you know fourteen shootings in a weekend, you know, ten killings, twenty people shot. I, every it seems like every holiday now, whether it's Memorial Day or July Fourth or Labor Day, they're setting new records in Chicago for the amount of violence that happens in one or two day periods of time. You have, um, you know, children that are being caught in the crossfires and killed almost on a, on a daily basis in some of these cities. That's right. And yet these are gun free zones. Mind <laughs> you, gun free zones. Um, go figure. And it's just, uh, you know, it's a cultural problem as much. Uh, the problem is stems far beyond guns. It's like trying to say that the latest, uh, Increase in terrorist attacks that have terror where terrorists have used vehicles in their assaults. It's like saying vehicles should be banned. The vehicles aren't the problem. The guns aren't the problem. It's the people who are the problem. And that's um, just the basic common sense understanding of it. And what's going on in these societies? What's going on in these cultures that are um, that are causing this? Now in Baltimore, you no, know, they said it was police harassment and over policing that was causing a lot of the violence. Now they're saying that you know now, now that the police aren't doing their jobs or are not responding to to calls in these cities the way they used to. Now it's the lack of policing that is causing the problems. It seems like the police are in an impossible situation. Uh, you know, they're racist if they over-police, they're racist if they don't police. 
and it's their all their fault anyway. It's a it's a horrible situation to be in in that, and I I I can see yeah, and I agree with what you're saying. Um, yeah. you, you know, this leads me kind of into thinking or into this. Um, the Rudge reported on this or World Net Daily, WND. You know, Michael Savage continues to be uh, banned from Britain, and you know. People kind of chuckle at that. I do. And, and he's been yeah. banned since we've been listening to him. Right. Eight years now. Eight years he's still banned. But but here is what I believe the salient point about this. If they can ban Michael Savage from Britain, they can ban Doug Hagman, Joe Hagman, they could ban Eric the Tech, they can ban John Robertson, but they can ban you by your Facebook postings, your social networking postings. That's where this is headed. If you and I, I've received a, and I've received a lot of professional journals, for example, investigative journals, um, because of our profession, I, I get them and, and I, I receive them. And there's trends taking place right now. The trends among uh, NGOs, the government NGOs, and some major corporations are 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 what what. A lot of companies are doing. Um, they are collecting the information from social networking sites about your political views. They are in turn, they are in turn turning that information over to. They're sharing it with with agencies of the United States government. Now think about this for a minute, okay? For example, um, how can I how can I explain this very quickly? Okay, as because we're licensed investigators, because because I own an investigative company uh, or operate an investigative company, uh, you, you you have to pass a background check, and you are then allowed access to a fee based proprietary database that gives you the the ability to input a name, um, name and address, whatever it might be, and then get. A return of, of very personal information on the individual that, that you're looking for. So, so for example, if, if I want to do a background check uh, on, on somebody my daughter's dating, um, I can do that. Okay, I, I can get a whole list of, you know, what everything. <laughs> and yes, I've done that. But, 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 you know, but here's the thing. Um, these same database repository, repositories are collecting information, and other uh, other agencies are doing the same thing, and other companies they're collecting this information, and uh, they're incorporating the postings on social networking and giving it to the government. Ultimately, there's a couple of steps in between, but ultimately the government gets that, or other countries have access to that. It is trending very heavily. And, and that's, that's just one of the ways that, well, that the information right. is given. You have the internet service providers giving, you know, your search history uh, to the government and selling it to advertising companies. You have yes. uh, the search engines, the individual search engines, whether it's Google or Yahoo, selling information, um, your personal information to advertising companies, to governments, uh, to data mining firms. And I saw an interesting article today, and I think it's still up here, um, on Drudge, it's about 
uh, Facebook criticized for analyzing teen feelings accused of giving information to advertisers. Oh, I saw that. And then there's another one right underneath it. I'm an ex-Facebook executive. Don't believe what they tell you about ads. And well, what is that? What is that even? What's that supposed to mean? Okay, this, this is what this guy tells tell a little, you about ads. This guy tells a story uh, as an employee of Facebook. He says, "For two years, I was charged with turning Facebook data into money by any legal means. If you browse the internet or buy items in physical stores, and then see ads related to those purchases on Facebook, blame me. I helped create the first versions of that back in 2012. The ethics of Facebook's micro-targeted advertising." was thrust into the spotlight this week by a report out of Australia. And this, uh, oh, there it goes. Uh, the article just <laughs> yep, yep. popped up and ran. Well, but, well like, you get the idea. This is what happens. They're, they're targeting, they're, they're finding out, um, spe- specifically with teenagers, what their emotions are, whether they're happy, angry, sad, depressed, insecure, worthless. I got it back up. And they said the article, based on, a leaked presentation said that Facebook was able to identify teenagers at their most vulnerable, including when they feel insecure, worthless, defeated, and stressed, in order to um, promote ads uh, which they would be more, most susceptible to buying in that state of mind. Think about that exploitation. And how would they know, unless you posted on Facebook that you felt insecure or you felt worthless, and use those words, how would they know what your, what your state it's of mind is? It's a huge business. I mean, a, a huge business out there. And you're the, we, you, are the victims. Uh, or being exploited. Uh, victims, that might be a... All, you're being exploited. Yeah, Facebook. For profit. Facebook claimed that this report was misleading, assuring the public that the company does not offer tools to target people based on their emotional state. If the intention of Facebook's public relations spin is to give the impression that such targeting is not even possible on their platform, I'm here to tell you they are lying through their teeth, says the former employer. There it is. Just as Mark Zuckerberg was being disingenuous when, in the wake of Donald Trump's unexpected victory, he expressed doubt that Facebook could have flipped the presidential election. Facebook deploys a political advertising sales team specialized by political party and charged with convincing deep-pocket politicians that they have to do the kind of influence needed to alter the outcome of the elections. That's right. This gentleman says he was at Facebook in 2012 during the previous presidential race. The fact that Facebook could easily throw the election by selectively showing a get-out-the-vote reminder in certain counties of a swing state, for example, was a running joke. Converting Facebook data into money is harder than it sounds, mostly because the vast bulk of your user data is worthless. <laughs> turns out that your uh, blotto drunk party pics and flirty co-worker messages have no commercial value whatsoever. Wait, 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 wait. So who's saying this? This is the former employee okay, of so, Facebook so who helped create... Um, is he being disingenuous in, in state? Because well, he's, he goes he's on warning to, about one aspect of right, this. Right, right. And okay. then he's making a jo- saying it was a joke and the other. Okay, all right. Um, Which concerns me. But he goes on to say occasionally if the data is used very cleverly with lots of machine learning iteration and systematic trial and error, the canny marketer can find just the right ad mixture of age, geography. <laughs> That's what my wife says. I always make geography. Uh, oh, my gosh. I'm going to have to show this to her when I, when I get back. She's going to tear me up. Geography. That's the. There's two words. Uh, nemesis. She mispronounces and geography. She she says it's geography. How about the simmon and 
or I used aluminum to say, uh, um, not certificate, but certificate when I was little. I would get that uh, messed up. But anyways, the marketer can find just the right admixture of age, geography, time of day, music, or film taste that uh, show the demographic winner of an audience. The click-through rate to use the advertiser's parlance doesn't lie. Well, and when they say, they say without even using the leaked documents um, and the leaked report that just came out, um, it's impossible to know precisely what platform is offering what the platform was offering to advertisers, but they know um, that they are looking at targeting emotions. Th- th- this is some, and they call uh, it psychometric it, targeting. Yeah, yeah. And, and this this is something that has uh, I, I really go back to the digitization of everything in in the the influx of or or the imposition and i use that word deliberately of social media into our daily lives they're taking this this is really managing the, the human domain i mean you talk you talk about jade helm this is really mapping and managing the human mm-hmm. domain the mind and this is how in my view anyway this is how a lot of the artificial intelligence in the the pseudo um Trans-humanistic uh, elements are going to be used against us, and a lot of it. it, it remember the shopping cart, or, the, or keep in mind that the, the uh, customer loyalty cards. And I know I'm kind of going on a tangent here, but think about how we have been conditioned as a population. Use the customer loyalty card; it'll get you five cents off, um, maybe or a percentage off your your total grocery purchase. They in turn. Use that data. They market that data. They, it's it's not. I, I mean, they know. It's it's conditioning, and that's the even back twenty years ago. Customer loyalty cards, and 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 look how this has developed on a digitization, or with digitization with respect to social media, um, or even Amazon, or any online anything online. And the, the so, article goes on to say that. The hard reality is that Facebook will never try to limit such use of their data unless the public uproar reaches such a crescendo, it has to be unmutable. And they go on to say an example of that. They said that happened with the Trump and fake news accusation, um, but I don't believe that it did. Please, and folks, I'm going to end this. Because when it comes to bringing, yeah. you know, taking money away from Facebook, uh, it's going to take a lot more than public uproar. I <laughs> well, it's going to take the, the government, uh, yeah. Um, you know, the government does fund a lot of station, mm-hmm. the Facebook uh, initiatives and social media initiatives. But in, in closing, you mentioned fake news. And, and this is something that, that, again, I've talked about before. We always talk about it. I think people need to be reminded, however, the, the, the phrase fake news and post truth environment, the, uh, moving target that is the that's being used to define fake news. We need to really pay attention to this because it is going to be, I believe, a critical component in silencing the conservative voice out there, in silencing you and I, in assaulting and assailing Christ, uh, Christianity. It's going to be used against conservatives, against the moral uh, uh, conservatives, and Christians, the Judeo-Christian ethic, and it's already taking place right now. It what look at, for example, fake news as it relates to Pizzagate. Exhibit A, for example, Liz Crokin. 
do I need to say more? And, and folks, please pass the Liz Crokin segment, everyone you know, and also Lauren P. Mm-hmm. with her... Um, the Chimera her, finding yeah, in the ICD-10. Yeah, pass it to everyone you know. All right, until tomorrow, stay safe. God bless. Have a great evening. Uh, check HagmanReport.com tomorrow for the news and the updated show information. Um, I don't want to announce the guest, but it's going to be a great show no, tomorrow. We, we I don't want to jinx we, it. We, we can, yeah, okay. I don't want to jinx All it. All right. All right. So until then, stay safe. God bless. Have a great evening. We'll be back tomorrow.